KUFO, Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Good morning to you. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five. In this, the month of October, in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson radio program. I am he. Thank you for uh, joining us today. It is Friday, and welcome to Day 12, the first day of the rest of your life. It's 503-228-4101 if you would like to join us telephonically today. 503-228-4101. You can also email if that's your pleasure. It is uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or Greg Nibbler, our esteemed production assistant, can be reached at nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R, at kufo.com. I'm going to reveal a little something here that I've just, uh, I haven't told anybody this. Every time I say that N-I-B-L-A-R at K-U-F-O.com, it makes me think of the closing cadence to the Mickey Mouse theme song. And then I have to fight off the urge to sing the Mickey Mouse theme song out loud for the rest of the day to get out of my head. Why? Because we like you. That's... <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Well, I'm glad someone does. It's 503-228-4101 if you would like to uh, get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, amusing uh, anecdotes, haiku, limerick, recipes, whatever it is you might have today. Uh, you can also text. It's 520 By the way, on the local and relatable front, this is the state of American journalism. I am holding here in my hands today's copy of The Oregonian. Keep in mind, I have many friends who are uh, Oregonians. This is Friday, October 3rd, 2009. The Oregonian, this is the front page. This is above the full. This is the top of the front page. It says here, winner of seven Pulitzer Prizes. And then directly above that, today's big Oregonian article, and I'm not making this up. I'm just reading this directly off the front page. In huge letters, it just says, should you rake or blow? So there you go. As though you can't do both in any event. There you go. Raking is a lot quieter. I've already had enough of blowing. I'm just... Moving on. It's 503-228-4101 if you would like to... Uh, no, it's too noisy. Join us via... Yeah, well, I, I mean, you're doing it right, Tim. It's not me. It's the gardeners. Wow. Uh, if you'd like to text, you can... Uh, you can do that as well. It's 52051. Coming up later on the day, Aaron Duran will be here with the week in Geek. And it's coming up at the uh, 7 o'clock hour of the week in Geek with Aaron Duran. Marco Gonzalez from TMZ will be joining us at uh, 8 o'clock. And also coming up at the 8 o'clock hour, David Javerbaum, who is the uh, head writer for The Daily Show and winner of 11, I swear to God, winner of 11 Emmy Awards, two Peabody Awards. He writes for The Daily Show, who used to write for Letterman. He wrote for The Onion for three years. He wrote a Broadway musical with one of the guys from Fountains of Wayne. And he's written three best-selling novels. So there you go. Also, your final shot at Pussifer Tickets, uh, the show on the 14th. And it's been sold out for quite some time. They've added a show on the 16th. Uh, those tickets are at TicketsWest.com. But the uh, final shot of tickets for the 14th show, that is going to be at some point 
today. So that is all on the way. Aaron Duran with the Weekend Geek, Marco Gonzalez from uh, TMZ, David Javerbaum from The Daily Show, Pussifer Tickets, Double Geek Watch uh, coming up later on today, and Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler plus uh, Lisa Desjardins from CNN on Capitol Hill. It's 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101. We are joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you today? Oh, doing fabulously. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. Your outfit is a little strange today. You've got you've got like this sort of uh, this sort of very traditional like kind of gingham dress thing on, but then there's just a black T-shirt on underneath it with something. You look as what though you're it about say to say underneath it. I don't know, but you're. Oh, hey, I haven't seen that shirt forever. That's your uh, FCC shirt. Oh, I still have one of those. But you sort of mean it's like the sort of T-shirt is peeking out. It's as though you're about to rip that off and you know, it, like superhero style, and underneath you are someone else. <laughs> this is true. This is an outfit I put together last night before I went to bed. So I should say that yesterday afternoon, Sarah and Greg Nibbler and myself and uh, some listeners, including a uh, fresh-faced fellow named John and his wife slash girlfriend, I. I can't even clarify that. Uh, yeah, so I'm it's not all sure. very awkward, and I forgot that. I mean, I forgot to make another name, so I feel like a dick. But uh, we all went to Fright Town yesterday. One of our very fine uh, sponsors and somebody for whom we've been giving away tickets. You want to talk about a group of people that's just fundamentally broken inside? I haven't been to a haunted house since I was probably, I don't know, maybe twelve. 13, something like that. I mean, it's been a long time since I went to a haunted house, just you know, sort of as an observer. They really, they have just, they have gotten so unbelievably warped just in the decade or so since I've gone there. Uh, I mean, haunted houses now are not like haunted houses they used to be. I think by the time we were about, because they gave us a guided tour yesterday, that was kind of the, the, you know, the prize we were giving away. By the time we got about halfway through, and this was a lights-up tour, you know, where they, they kind of give you the behind-the-scenes deal. It's sort of like the time I got to go to a bowling alley, and I you know, got to walk around behind and see how the Brunswick equipment picks up the pins and resets everything, which is fascinating. I've never seen that before. It's, dude, it's awesome. It's so cool. If you ever get a chance to take a behind-the-scenes tour of a bowling alley, which, I mean, it sounds retarded, right? It sounds like I'm like I'm making that up as I was just as at a bowling alley thing. the other day. No, it's... It, 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 as dumb as it might sound, if you ever get a chance to go back and watch all the machinery work at a bowling alley, it is fascinating. Uh, I, years and years and years ago, my friend Todd and I used to, we, we bowled a lot for summer. We went through this phase where we were just bowling all the time. and I, I don't really know why, but we spent so much time there and we couldn't, we couldn't ever figure out how the machinery operated. Like in terms of the thing coming down and picking up the pins and re, you know, sorting them and stacking them. And we just kept nagging uh, the woman who managed the place so much that she let us go back and just stand there for about 10 minutes and watch it cycle through a few frames. And anyway, it was just, it was awesome. And so this thing at Fright Town yesterday kind of reminded me of that, where they took us through with the lights on and every, you know, to see all the behind the scenes of it. And I think I speak for everybody when I say that even seeing, even seeing it inoperative, in other words, going through and kind of, you know, getting the full picture of how the place operates behind the scenes, it was still unbelievably freaky. I, it was a... Uh, that's a group of deeply and fundamentally disturbed people. I don't know which if I, I mean can handle it. I don't think I can. Oh, no. Having having seen it just during the daytime, I realize that it's probably too much for me. Because I'm a big pussy, in, you know, about stuff like that in, in certain ways. So it's 503-228-4101. Let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, the, savior, the uh, dappily attired Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, 5.09. It's going to be cloudy with showers today. Highs about 60. About the same for the weekend as well. The Portland Police Bureau's secret list is going public. Do you know the cops keep track of these scoff laws, repeat offenders, including junkies and burglars and everything in between? Keeps all these facts at their fingertips. They know who to go after. Well, now, 
It used to be a secret, now it's becoming public. I mean, there's a list of people who have been convicted of things or a list of a list of probables? Probables. I see. This is the list of the usual suspects. The usual suspects. Hey, let me ask you this. Whenever you go into a convenience store and I you know. see that thing behind the counter where it says, what do you mean you don't? I don't go into convenience stores. I, Of all the years that we've worked on the street, I don't think I've been to Plaid Pantry more than twice. Well, Tim, you're... <laughs> You've got to take those opportunities while you can. Um, I can always come back. Moving forward, this is like that time you said that you didn't eat. What was it that you said you didn't eat? It was something odd. It was like that time you said you didn't eat bread. It was, it was I do eat bread. Yeah, but it, it wasn't that. But it was something like that. It was some something that everybody does, some activity that all people participate in. But then you sort of made the observation that you didn't. It was it was something yeah, I remember. very. I can't, but no, I can't it was remember. it was something very common. It was something like I don't use toaster ovens, and I never have. I had I had a toaster oven at one time. It lasted forever. It was a Black and Decker. Do you ever go to the convenience store though? If you're, let's say, Sarah or Greg or anyone else on Earth, and you see that thing behind the counter where they've got the photographs or the bad check passers, and it's like the you know the guys who've been in there and they've you know they've, they've written checks that are no good, or they've you know they've been in there like check kiting or something. And they have the photo up, and you realize, I mean, and you wonder if there's any good to be done by that. You wonder if the people behind the counter can ever identify somebody when they come in. I doubt it. Buy that thing. Especially, I've been, I've been to some of the, the like, the sort of off-brand convenience stores in Portland where there's, like, 40 like or 11, 7. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's like, there's, like, 75 different photographs hanging back there. And the poor guy behind the counter is supposed to come in and just sort of scan them, like, photographic memory style and match them against an entire customer base. So this is like a file that the cops keep would sort of just laying around. So if there's a guy burglarizing houses, they can look and figure out who it, who exactly. it might be based upon sort of near do wells. Yes. Okay. Multnomah County's first H1N1 clinic turned into an out-of-control mess as at least 800 were turned away from the Immigrant and Refugee Community Organization building at 102nd and Gleason. They didn't even publicize this thing yesterday. I was sitting here talking about it. The lines stretched for blocks and blocks. Now, wait a minute. How, how did people know to go there if they weren't talking That's, about that it? That is a good question, isn't it? I got an email yesterday. I didn't get a chance to read this, but I got an email yesterday from a listener who said, and I won't, uh, I will not say which uh, insurance company uh, he uses. I will say it's the same insurance company that I use, by the way. So just, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's word to the wise. He said that he called his insurance company and he said, hey, by the way, do you guys have, you know, the swine flu shot? He said, you know, because I guess he'd been traveling or something. There was a guy in the plane who was like kind of coughing a lot. And he's just like, you know, figured better safe than sorry. So he calls the insurance company and he says, can I get the swine flu shot? And they said, no, 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 we don't have that. Coincidentally, he had to go to the hospital later on that day to get something else done. There's something totally unrelated. And when he was there, he actually wandered by a room, and there was a big sign in the room that said, get your swine flu shot here. And so he walked in, and he said, hey, do you have swine flu shot? The woman's like, sure thing. Step right up. And they gave him the swine flu shot, and he left. He goes home, and then just out of curiosity, actually calls the insurance company back again and says, hey, do you guys offer the swine flu shot? And they just flat out denied it. They just lied to him and said that they didn't. So... Yeah, it'd be better off for everybody in town if they just gave these shots at, say, Platt Pantries. That's right. Tim. That's where people would see it. You know, but then... Uh, they wouldn't have to publicize it. You know, but then you and I uh, would be on different planes of existence because we would all have the shot and you who doesn't patronize convenience stores would die a lingering painful death. That is true. All right. Here's Tim Riley. I don't like it. They all, they all reek of tobacco and urine, and I, I just stay away from them all. <laughs> you know when you're approaching one.
Craig has a good point that a listener wanted to know of what store show ca- is it still cash checks. Yeah, and really, and one, especially somebody like that that comes in, you know, the cash people that look like those. Fred Meyer will. Is it? Well, but I mean, that is actually a really good question. When somebody sort of, you know, and let's just be grocery honest, warehouse does. You can spot a criminal most of the time too, because they just uh, it, you know, look because, like criminals. Well, because they just look, they look like they've been run through, uh, you know, like a pulping machine once or twice. They've all just kind of they just kind of got that somebody dumped acid on their face. <laughs> they've got that kind of hard edge, sort of wrung out look to them. And if that guy comes in and wants to cash, uh, uh, you know, checks, the odds are that the you know the the, the convenience is probably going to them to get, to get bent. Oh, write a check from my palm all. Exactly. Let's do this uh, straight ahead. We will have uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. She'll actually be joining us in the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, top of the 6 o'clock hour, Greg Nibbler with Ball Talk. 7 o'clock, Aaron Duran with The Week in Geek. 8 o'clock, Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. And at 8.20, David Javerbaum, who is the head writer for The Daily Show. More of Tim Riley. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Listener Dean wants to know, was there anybody homeless sleeping in front of my house this morning? No, no, there was not. But it is very telling that I just don't... It didn't even really phase me. I was actually thinking about that yesterday after we got off the air. And how I left the house... Yesterday, so it would have been Thursday morning at like 3.30, 3.45. And there was not just a homeless guy. First of all, I don't know that they were homeless. I mean, they were drunk. They did They did reek of failure and shame. But, I mean, really, who doesn't these days? Sometimes so, you just need a nap. That's right. And, and so they were just really, I mean, they, they were probably on the way to wherever it was they made their residence. And they got a little tuckered out about halfway home and decided they needed to, you know, catch a few Zs. And what better place than in front of Rick Emerson's house? Well, so, it's that old-time hospitality. Like That's right, Tim. That's right, Back in the days of Little House on the Prairie. It's the convivial atmosphere for which Southeast Portland is... Uh, Everybody stopped by. ...is so widely known. Well, look at that. Well, it wasn't Greg who apparently found somebody whizzing in his front yard. When was it there was somebody urinating in your yard? Was that recently? Uh, it was a few months ago. But, yeah, we were sitting inside just in our living room, and my uh, my roommate comes running out of his room. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, look at our front yard. And we walk outside, and there's this woman uh, squatting woman? in our front yard. <laughs> was it number squatting? one or two? Uh I believe it was, well, I believe it was number one, actually. Um, and she was there with her boyfriend, too. And I walk out, I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? And they're like, sorry, sorry, uh, my bad. <laughs> like, like it's my fault for getting upset. Is that what, issue. did she really say, my bad? The, the guy did. Uh-huh, yeah, he's there. like, my bad. Sorry, my man, bad. you're going to get all uh, upset Jeez. about a little urine in front of your house. Calm down, dude. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's uh, 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Making nature their bathroom. That is uh, that is what people in Southeast. That's something you don't have to worry about, Tim. You uh, you really only have to worry about whether the gardeners are uh, gathering up the rose petals in your front yard correctly. Into every life, some rain must fall. Or urine, is the case, maybe. At yes. the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. From the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Can you imagine what your homeowners association would do if somebody was whizzing in front yards? Their heads that, would that, explode. That would be terrible. They would probably would be uh, an emergency meeting. I mean, there no, there wouldn't even be an emergency meeting. There'd be an emergency killing. Hazmat would be called out. I mean, I, I have heard you talk about how the, the way that homeowners association refers to somebody who like has the wrong shade of teal or something right. that they're like, using that. on their house. <laughs> that car has been parked in the street for more than five minutes. Let's have it towed away, and the people will be fine now. That's right. 
If somebody was just, like, if, 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 if your house got all nibblered where somebody was just squatting in the front oh, yard. Nibbler. No, I mean, the homeowners association would just, they would just come out and cut that person's head off and kick it down the street. There well, well, I would hear them because they would have to open up the gate. It'd be, it'd be like that thing that sometimes you see in jails where it just says, no warning shots will be fired. I mean, that uh, that is how things would be dealt with in your neck of the woods. Here's Tim Riley. I do have a good jail story here for you to lead off. Well, first of all, good morning, everyone. 528. It's going to be cloudy with showers today, highs near 60. Same for the weekend. Well, he wanted pizza. Joshua Woodcock, an inmate of Inverness Jail, barricaded himself at the top of a stairwell, demanded an extra-large pepperoni with pineapple, and armed himself with a mop, bucket, and cleaning utensils. He even dumped cleaning solution on the floor. So, sir, is called out. The request for pizza is denied, and he's put back in the cell again. And now where, but where, what jail is this? Inverness, wherever that is. Okay. And I'm so not he familiar was, with all these jails. So he was causing a, he was causing a ruckus because he was wanting pizza? Extra large. Well, you think of all the places that you decided to make a stand, that jail is really, I mean, it's just ill-advised in like a hundred, first of all, you're in jail. So where, where are you really going to be going? Like, what is your master plan there? I guess the theory is he's already if there. They put food courts in these places, they wouldn't have problems. But I mean, is the thinking that he's already in jail, so he's like, well, what else can you do to me? And the answer is they can break all your bones with a truncheon. They I mean, take that's... Take away his mop. Yeah, they take away your mop, and then they, uh, you know, and then they'll come in and they'll beat you until your bones are powder. The mop was the only friend he had. To what extent do you suppose he's been made embittered by the fact that his last name is Woodcock? I don't think we can really... I mean, we all went to school with a guy who had some really unfortunate name like that, and you wonder... You wonder what kind of part that does play in making someone just really angry. As my, as our friend Ian Gordon used to say, waking up all angry at life every day. So, I, I would uh, just go with a guy named Cess Pool. <laughs> Was Cess his really? first name? Yes. What is Cess even short for? I don't know. Cecil? Like Cecil B. DeMille? Yeah, but why wouldn't you just Maybe call yourself... Cecil Pool. I why? Guess. But I mean... <laughs> but his he, last name was Pool. That's just mean of his parents. Did really he is. call himself Cess? In other words, was Cess, a, 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 if his real first name was Cecil, which I, you know, or Cecil, which I can understand, the, the shortening of Cecil to Cess, was that a thing that he himself acknowledged, did he, or did he yes. refer to himself as Cecil? No, because he ran for student council and won with that name. Under the name of Cess Poole? Mm -hmm. Cess Poole. Here's the thing, if anybody else were to tell me this, I don't think I would believe it. I think that they would, I would think it would be some sort of a the, the fabrication. But I know that you don't uh, you don't tell tales out of school, so to speak. No, so all right, not even in school. There you go. So that is the uh, true story, of Mr. Woodcock. How's your Woodcock doing? Oh, my darling little Woodcock. I don't even remember what that soundbite is from. Just that the woman sounds like uh, Kathy Bates. Here's Tim Riley. Up in the Puget Sound, doctors say so far they have very little vaccine to fight a fast-growing number of H1N1 cases. Pediatric clinics in King County turning kids away, telling them to go home. Hospitals in Tacoma say they expect more vaccine next week. In Snohomish County, officials are moving the first vaccine up a week, planning to use what they have, and the feds are slow in getting it out. I got two things. One, actually three things. This is one of the times that I wish I had an iPhone because the iPhone has this, you know, there's the iPhone applications. The iPhone does have a kind of uh, a great little app that you you just plug in uh, like a uh, like a street crossing, you know, like... You know, whatever, like like 41st and Powell or, you know, like a, you know, 1st and Arthur or something. You plug in either an intersection or a zip code, and it will actually show you real time all of the swine flu cases within like a square mile around you. And, of course, it's hooked to the GPS. So as you drive along, you know, you can just look at the iPhone and it will tell you who within one square mile of your current location actually has the swine flu. That's uh, point number one. I don't want to know that. I totally want to know, know that. that. I see. I absolutely do. I like to see humanity sort of implode around me. That really is one of the only true joys I have in life is just watching the world slowly crumble into a cinder. Secondly, uh, I don't have uh, an iPhone, but I have a Mac. 
And so for my Mac, I have this, you know, there's that, uh, you can get like desktop widgets or whatever, which is, you know, it's like a little, uh, it's like a screensaver, it's a little program. So I got this great desktop widget for my Mac that is linked to the uh, CDC and the World Health Organization. And I can actually pick one of, uh, I think, 150 different diseases, and it will show me real-time diagnosis, uh, diagnosis stats for that disease in any place in the world of my choosing. I'm sorry, Tim. I know what I'm doing this weekend. No, I just, I just sat there, and you can pick which diseases you want to track. So I picked a swine flu, Ebola, and leprosy. Uh, and then I just picked America, you know, the United States, North America, and I just you know, turned it on. No cases of leprosy. Uh, Yet. And no cases of Ebola, although that was as of last week. Lots of cases of swine flu. And they, what's great is it updates in real time as the CDC gets or, uh, information. So... Watching the map, it occasionally you'll you'll look at it and you'll see like a little skull and crossbones. Well, but it's like a little it's like a little uh, virtual pushpin. We'll kind of go. Boop, and it just, should be a little like a little pig head crossbones. Like a, it just sort of you know, ding, and it will appear. And you go, oh, that's great. Now we're up to seventy five hundred. Oh, seventy five hundred and one. That's the second thing. What was my third thing? Wait, hold on. iPhone, swine flu. Oh, Puget Sound. I this is this is completely random. But when you mention Puget Sound. Every time I think about the Puget Sound, I don't know why, but for some reason, the Puget Sound, which is, of course, the body of water near Seattle, all I think about is, like, when you're in the pier in Seattle and you look down and there's just, like, like that filthy, nasty-ass water, and the pier is held up by what appears to be telephone poles, and I just assume that they're sea creatures of some kind down there because that water is so unbelievably vile. Oh, yeah, they're polluted. totally attached to it. Yeah, I just, I figured that there's something, that there's, like, a... a like a Cthulhu thing down there. It's 503-228-4101. Straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley coming up at 6 o'clock. Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler. Uh, 620 CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. 7 o'clock, Aaron Duran with The Week in Geek. 8 o'clock, TMZ. 820. We'll have to talk to David Javerbaum, who is the lead writer for The Daily Show. It all continues next. Stay there. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in ADHD. We're so very, very, very sorry for this relentlessly juvenile behavior. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Which will now continue on Rock 101 KUFO. To you, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Coming up at six o'clock, Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler, including the latest on the curious case of Steve Phillips, which is awesome, by the way. By curious, I mean wonderful. If you uh, know what we're talking about, we'll have uh, more details here at uh, six a.m. But so, uh, Steve Phillips is the guy from ESPN. Who's apparently getting it on with the uh, sort of greasy-looking twenty-two-year-old that worked with him, and so. Yesterday we had the fact that she, I guess, had shown up at the uh, the house and started smashing up the car that belonged to Steve Phillips' wife in the house that Jack built, blah, 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 whatever. And that she sent this long-ass, uh, like, this really just un- unbelievably obnoxious letter to the wife saying, like, Hi, I've been stooping your husband for like a year and a half. How are you today? We found out now that she sends this letter and then the next day... She's clearly just nuts. I mean, everybody uses that fatal attraction thing all the time. People say, well, this is just like, it's like a play misty for me thing. This is like the truest example of that I've seen forever. Because she she sends the letter to the wife saying that she's humping the husband. And then starts smashing up the car. And I think the, 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 the incident between the two was that she filed a restraining order against Steve Phillips. It was just, and I saw the text of all of it this morning. I mean, she's like flat out, full on screaming nuts.
Well, and the more pictures that keep coming out of her, the crazier she looks. <laughs> this newest picture, she just looks insane. Yeah, no, she's, yeah, she's, she's, there is something just not altogether right inside of her. Like, if her eyes could make noise, the noise would be, you know, just like all, you know, but with them with like a stabby sound sort of in the background. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 546. We're in for some showers this weekend. Daytime highs about 60. Well, a Portland man has been charged with stealing almost a car a day. 21 cars in a single month. And they're all the same thing. Toyota Camrys. So make sure yours is locked up tight. 28-year-old Kirk Leon Pierce facing multiple charges of theft, possession of stolen vehicles, and identity theft. Uh, he could get life in prison for stealing almost a car a day. And this is the guy, but he was only stealing Toyota Camrys. Yeah. For some reason. Because well, I guess... stylish. Well, and maybe he figured out the... Uh, he figured there was a bit of a system to be had there. But the deal is he wasn't stealing... Like he wasn't stealing the cars for their own sake, right? He was just stealing the cars and then pilfering the goods out of them. So apparently he, I don't know. I like to think that he's some kind of master criminal. I mean, it doesn't really seem that way. But that he had like an Excel spreadsheet at home or something. And that he, you know, he'd figured out which cars were most likely to have uh, wealthy uh, owners. Like Kirk Pierce, master criminal. Well, or just that like, I mean, that, why that would could you? could be a, a Heaney pilot. Why did you, why would you only steal Camrys unless he, unless he somehow figured out that they were really easy to rip off? Mm-hmm. Or if he just deduced that maybe Camrys were likely to be owned by people who would leave uh, gaudy consumer merchandise uh, behind it. It's probably the former more than the latter, but what are you going to do? Everybody's got to specialize in something, Tim. Here's uh, Tim Riley. A Vancouver woman is out $3,000 after falling for a phone scam. Don't let this happen to you. Somebody called up this Vancouver woman and said, you've just won $350,000 in a Las Vegas sweepstakes. But first, wire a few thousand dollars to Ohio, won't you? And of course she did. Ohio's nowhere near Vegas. You no. think she would have caught on to that? Uh, she was then told her winnings would show up in her bank, but first, you have to pay a $28,000 luxury tax. <laughs> I think that's where this guy went wrong. Yes, yes. So she called the uh, Nevada, Nevada Gaming Commission, which she should have done in the first place, and learned that it was a scam. A $28,000 luxury tax. Mm-hmm. The best part is that he probably had her until then, right? Yeah. I mean, like he was sort of stringing her along correctly. And then he just tried to take one bite too many of that apple. There's been a massive FBI raid on an Islamic slaughterhouse in a tiny Illinois town. Sunday, the population of Kinsman, Illinois, was 109. An hour later, it nearly doubled as upward of 100 federal agents and police swooped down on a slaughterhouse. This is where they uh, cut up goats and things that Islamic people eat from the Chicago area. This is where? This is in Kinsman, Illinois. All right. And uh, by the time it was over, a lot of these employees are missing and nowhere to be found. Here's the thing about Illinois. Whenever we talk about Illinois, I have to remind myself that that Don't is... Don't pronounce yes. Well, that also... Did you ever listen back to that Heidi and Spencer thing we did and realize that he actually says Illinois in it? That's a thing I didn't catch on the, the first couple times I heard that. And then somebody pointed out, I went back and listened to it, and sure enough, he says Illinois, and I think in a non-ironic fashion. I think he just doesn't quite understand the, the concept of silent letters. But whenever we talk about Illinois, I have to remind myself that that's where Chicago is. Because Illinois, like, did you ever do this, like, when you are, um, you're talking about states, and somebody will mention a state, and you're picturing it in your mind's eye, and you get 
just sort of like a very um, it, like a very vague, simplistic visual representation of it. So when I think about Ohio, for example, I just picture like just j- just brown acres of dust. I mean, that's it, just nothing, just rolling fields of dirt with nothing in them. It's flat with a few trees here and there. And whenever somebody talks about Illinois, I just picture cornfields. That's it. And I think it's there because are cornfields there. Well, I think, and also because it it, it, it sounds has like bad weather. It sounds like Iowa too. And so I think Illinois and Iowa, because they kind of sound the same sort of linguistically, I just picture being cornfields and then like a silo of full of grain and nothing else. But it is actually a uh, it is actually a state that has something other than hay seeds in it. Let's do uh, one more here. Uh, let's do a uh, Geek Watch. Here's Shall your uh, Geek Watch for Friday. Double. The Rick Emerson radio program. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Energize. There could be a new Star Wars trilogy heading to the big screen if stereoscopic 3D market saw is to be trusted. Whatever that means. Uh, claiming to have heard the story from a trusted source. The site reports that George Lucas will pass on the directing torch for these new projects, although he will serve as the film's producer. On who might uh, take over Lucas's directing job, Market Saw pointed out two heavyweight directors, Steven Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola. Okay, so this is uh, Market Saw, which is a, is a website, but they were talking about the fact that these alleged new Star Wars films might be released in 3D because sort of that kind of seems to be a because that seems to be what everything has to do now is it has to come out in 3D. Um, also. I, because of this, I take it as an article of faith that the, the, the truth is somewhere in between. That it's not that nothing's going to happen, but it's probably not that they're going to do like nine or twelve Star Wars movies altogether. What they will undoubtedly do, I mean, I'll guarantee that you bet your bottom dollar on this right now, is that Lucas right now has a team of people who are taking the you know the six existing the six extant Star Wars films and they are converting them to 3D. You mark my words. Uh, within three years, the you know episodes one through six will be visible in the theater near you in 3D because that's just Lucas leaves uh, he leaves no penny unpinched. Part two is about Microsoft. I know they usually do boring things. By the way, Microsoft is opening its first store today in Phoenix. I bet there'll be lines around the block just to get in because yes, people can't wait to get Windows Seven. In a stunning one-two punch, Microsoft will announce separate, non-exclusive deals today with both Facebook and Twitter to integrate their first real-time feeds of status updates into the Bing search service. Boomtown reported that the Microsoft data mining deal with Twitter was poised to be announced. But the addition of Facebook rises the stakes considerably because it has the largest pool of status updates, despite all the hype around Twitter. Facebook has previously stated it has 40 million updates a day on average from its 300 million plus audience. You know what I was thinking about today? Jesus, 300 million? Yeah. Because it was just like six months ago, it was 200 million. I mean, if you know, if a country grew, if, if that's sort of addicted, country. we all are. I mean, yeah, but we were. It's just weird though because how Facebook is just the thing we've all decided on. Like I was thinking this morning, how I remember, I remember back we used to use MySpace. I can't remember the last time I even thought about MySpace. Also, this is it still around? It is, but but no one goes there. I think because it's just the thing about looking at MySpace is. The MySpace is sort of like the visual equivalent of like a bag of uh, sort of really unpleasant uh, cotton candy. You know what I mean? Where like you enjoy it and then after a while you just kind of go, Ugh, okay, I've had enough of that. And it's just you get like that sickly feeling in your mouth. That's kind of how Facebook is uh, visually. I just, after a while, everything, 
the greatest idea that Facebook ever had was not allowing you to put a thanks for the ad icon that blinks and spins and turns and is covered with like virtual sequins. That's so something that's been done and seen before. That's it. It's just a, it's like the, the Britney's vagina of social marketing services. Kind of. Yes, it is. And I don't mean that. I, I don't mean that ironically or sarcastically. You really are right about that. We've all seen it. We've all been there. There's your double geek watch for uh, my there you go. hammer by the sons of Warvan. Wow. I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Oh, I just saw, by the way, the uh, this photograph that Greg is talking about, the brand new photograph of what's her name? Brooke Hundley that has come out. There's not a single flattering photo in here. I mean, there's not one of these where she doesn't look crazy or unattractive. That's what's so mind-boggling about this. Why? I, Why would you think, <laughs> wow, that's something I'd like to take in the back of a car? You are so disproportionately angry about I, this. Well, it's just, I mean, it what is the point me. of becoming rich and powerful if this is what you're going to blow it on? Exactly. I mean, really. I mean, if this, if you're going to... Maybe as a fetish for chicks who look like mechanics. That was going to be my next question is, do we know what the last girl looked like that he did this with? Oh, that's a good point. I'll see if I can find something out. All right. Coming up next, it's ball like talk. AAA in your back seat. <laughs> that's right, Tim. Uh, ball talk with Greg Dibbler at 6 o'clock. Uh, 620, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins, 7 o'clock, Aaron Duran with The Weekend Geek, 8 o'clock, Marco Gonzalez from TMZ, and the A20 Daily Show writer David Javerbaum. Stay there, back after this. More of The Rick Emerson Show in mere moments, only on Rock 101, KUFO. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. KUFO, Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, coming up at 620 CNM Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins will be joining us. 7 o'clock, Aaron Duran with The Weekend Geek. 8 o'clock, Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. And at uh, 820, David Jabberbaum from The Daily Show, head writer for The Daily Show. And uh, he wrote, like, if you wrote that uh, if you wrote that book, The Onion, the Our Dumb Century, wrote a big chunk of that. I think he wrote half of the Daily Show book, America, A Citizen's Guide to Democracy in Action. He's written everything. Oh, that's a fantastic book. I have that one. Yeah, basically anything you've enjoyed that's funny over the last, uh, like, 15 years, the odds are like one and two that he wrote that. In just moments, Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk. Uh, Tim Riley's tracking the following headlines for you on this Friday. Go home. 800 are turned away from a Multnomah County swine flu clinic. Two arrested for a North Portland gangland firebombing. And a Boise cat saves its owner from a burning bed. A gangland firebombing? That's correct, yes. That seems a little bit larger than the crimes we typically get around here. Yeah. All right. It's 503-228-4101. Also, a pair of tickets to the Pussifer show on the 14th. That's sold out. They've added a second show on the 16th. Uh, and those tickets are available at TicketsWest.com. But if you want to go to the sold-out show on the 14th, be listening. That is going to happen at the, some point today. We'll give those away. On the immediate horizon, it's... Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler. I'm Greg Nibbler. Let's talk balls. <laughs> that never gets any less funny. It doesn't, and he's getting an accent with it now, too. <laughs> You're sort of adding a little uh, little Phillips to it when you talk. That's awesome. All right. Uh, so uh, we'll find out who's going to be crying in college football here in just a little bit. In Major League Baseball news, the Angels have forced a game six in their series with the Yankees. And let's get right to this. Steve Phillips. Steve Phillips, ESPN analyst who we've been discussing. Uh, his former... 
production assistant slash lover showed up at his wife's house the other day and uh, dropping off a letter. And then when the wife showed up, she freaked out and tore tore off with her car through the lawn and uh, and knocked over all kinds of things. Well, apparently, this letter that she was leaving was a letter describing to uh, Steve Phillips' wife how they were meant to be together. How the Brooke... The uh, production assistant and Steve Phillips were meant to be together. And then a day after that, she filed a restraining order against him. So this it's just so bizarre. She claims that in this restraining order that she went to a hotel in July with Steve and he bought me a strong drink and then cornered me trying to persuade me to come to his hotel suite to spend the night. It sounds like that was really difficult to do. Yeah, it sounds like it was really hard. And uh, after apparently he bothered her so much, she finally went there. And uh, <laughs> well, I guess I'll put out. OK, fine. And after. Uh, after that night, he continued to text her on a regular basis with inappropriate things, according to her. And then she says she tried to get him a stop, but again agreed to meet up with him a few times after work in the parking lot. <laughs> Seriously? That girl should be grateful. She is all class. On really? the same night? I, well, the best part is, like, in the letter to the wife, what does she say? Yeah, she says, I am not... I am not some slut who would uh, have... I am not just some random girl who had sex with him in parking lots. This is exactly what she said in this. After filing, you know, where she says, like, and then I had sex with him in parking lots. A few times after work in the parking lot. She is a classy gal. And the thing is, the more pictures that come out of her, the more... Attractive you are to her? Yes, just very attractive. She's a troll. She is so ugly. I do not (laughs) understand this at all. Uh, This is what probably bothers me the most out of this thing. You're you're an ESPN analyst, former GM of the Mets. You're rich, you're famous, you got a, a huge job in New York. And this is who you choose to cheat on your wife with. Well, and I mean, that's... You can't see personality, Greg. (laughs) That's true. I'm sure she's really funny. Here's speaking of... (laughs) (laughs) She's a sweet girl. Um, This photograph that first came out of her where she's in the Playboy bunny thing and she's like blowing a kiss at the camera. Like that wasn't, as my mother would say, any any great shakes look-wise. But that is like... That is that is like a like a catwalk runway photo compared to these other things of her that come out where she just she looks like uh, she looks like something that the cat threw up. I mean, in most of these other photos, absolutely, and psycho too. I mean, like you said, the eyes that just scream, "I want to stab you," and then she's got this crazy <laughs> smile on her face. Like, I have no idea why you would want to go anywhere near that. I, just it, it's mind boggling. The to New me. York Post has a great photograph of her posing with a guy in a Darth Vader outfit, where she just looks. I mean, <laughs> she looks like she's about th- she's a weeble. She's She's like three feet tall and round, and I mean, it's just and it, she's you know what she is? She's what uh, when I was growing up, she's what we used to call well, kind of a plain-looking girl, except the crazy eyes have like been transplanted in from someone else. It's like plain girl and then insane facial expression. Yeah, she's she's husky. Yeah, <laughs> she is. <laughs> she's a substantial woman. So uh, all right, wow. continue. Got here. Um, in uh, college football news, there's uh, college football has just been kind of crazy lately. There is no real dominant team. I don't care what anybody says. There's uh, there's no team that really deserves to be number one. And there's just been weird stuff happening in the South. The University of Mississippi is now getting in trouble for uh, for one of its fight songs, and they're trying to discourage their football fans from chanting "The South will rise again." During uh, during their games, oh, wow. yes. Apparently, this is something they chant at their opposing teams uh, uh, during uh, during the football game, which is really unsurprising, but at, so terrifying. A bunch of people, and it's funny that it's at a University of Mississippi game because you know none of those people went to University of Mississippi or even graduated from high school. Not really a university. The material. South will rise again. 
<laughs> so that's uh, that's what you're going to experience if you go to a U of, U of Mississippi game. Um, Oregon State's playing USC on Saturday at 5 p.m. That's going to be a big game. Uh, U of O is playing UW, and of course, UW got one up on U of O by having the the uh, lights on the Portland bridges here in town lit up gold and purple. That is fantastic. Yes, they did. Uh, they did get that done. So uh, there's nothing much you can do about that. That's that's a that's a pretty good slap in the face. Uh, Ohio State, of course, sucks. That's all that needs to be said about them. Cincinnati is going to lose, and no one really cares about that because there's no reason they should be ranked anyway. And I think the most exciting game of the weekend, though, is this one. It's Texas Christian University versus Brigham Young University, and it's just so it's it's the Mormons versus the Texas Christians, which is just going to be awesome. Both of them. I mean, when you mix religion with football mediocrity and like undeserved sense of self righteousness, it's all the recipe for an <laughs> awesome, awesome fight. And it's not even going to be the players on the field; it's going to be the people in the stands because you know because if God's on your side, you can't lose. Yeah, somebody's cheating if you lose. Well, and that's it. That's it. This also gives me an opportunity for uh, to feel my in laws' pain. We talk about people crying. My wife's parents are huge, big straight laced uh, Mormon fanatics, and so they're, they're massive, massive BYU fans. Have never forgiven my wife for going to the U of U and not BYU. And so every time BYU loses, it just warms. You know, it's like an angel gets its wings in my heart. <laughs> well, this should be a good one this weekend awesome. with, versus the uh, Texas Christians. Is that the one you're drinking beers to with your peeps? Yeah, you're gonna, I'm are sure. Are you drinking Bud Light this weekend, Nibbler? Uh, no, I probably not. I think I'm going to be watching the game at home. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to be watching this one at home. I guess he's not allowed to drink at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, just as, Mike, we, uh, as we sort of wrap this up, I don't. I wanted to know that somebody just sent this to me. I don't know how I missed this the first time around. That in what's-her-name, uh, Brooke Hundley's email uh, to Steve Phillips' wife, that she actually described a big birthmark on the inside of his crotch. Oh! I didn't realize that. I was Somebody just sent that to me. He's like, hey, you and Nibbler looked, overlooked the birthmark on the crotch. I'm looking at the letter she wrote to the wife, and she says, just so you think I'm not making this up or some kind of crazy person. <laughs> who would ever think that? She said, he's got a huge birthmark on the inside of his crotch. Gross. That's how she ends it. So I guess the parking lot antics were during the day because she couldn't have seen that at night. <laughs> That's hilarious. God, I... I I love this girl, and I uh, despise her at the same time. Wow. Um, all right, and uh, finally in the NFL, a lot of games, Chicago at Cincinnati, and, of course, the future Super Bowl champion, New York Giants, are playing the Arizona Cardinals. I just want to say one more time, I have declared the Super Bowl champions to be the New York Giants of this year, so place your bets now. And that concludes this edition of Ball Talk. Awesome. Straight ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will uh, join us from Capitol Hill. 7 o'clock, Aaron Durant at the Week in Geek. 8 o'clock, Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. And uh, 820 Daily Show writer David Jabberbaum. I'm staying there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. The Rick Emerson Show continues next on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. You and Greg are obsessed. What? That's like the Brooke Hundley monologue just doesn't ever stop. The microphones go off and Greg and I continue to... And she's fat! <laughs> I'm not a slut to have sex in parking lots. Oh, good God almighty. Uh, I'm not a slut. You know, and we, and you know how typically you'll say... Well, she may be chunky and greasy and, uh, you know, and, and flabby and pasty, but she's got a good personality, which is the joke we're all making, except she clearly doesn't have a good personality. I mean, she's clearly a horrible woman on top of it. Okay, so, Sarah, I know that you think that Greg and I are being unfair by putting all of the 
having an affair with a married man, ruining his life, destroying his property, getting a restraining order, that we're putting all of that on the same level as her being unattractive. <laughs> like, they're, they're all equal, equal crimes to us, which I guess they are. But I want you to go to TMZ and just look at the very first photograph. It's, uh, the headline is ESPN's analyst hookup says, keep him away from me. Tell me if you think she looks mentally challenged. Don't think, just answer. Does she look mentally handicapped in this photo? Yes. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. Are uh, there more pictures of her? Where she looks uh, handicapped or just in general? <laughs> in general. Uh, yeah, scroll down. You go, there's a full, there's a whole slideshow. It's 503-228-4101. And she all looks like, in all of the photos, she kind of looks like she's won a, like a contest uh, for special kids to hang out with a Star Wars character or something. It's 503-228-4101. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's just true. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio Correspondent to the Star, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you, Lisa? Hi, guys. Good morning. How's life? How are things? It's good. Good to talk to you. I feel very out of the loop um, on on this ESPN situation. Have you not been following this? How is that possible? You're such a big sports fan. I know. You know what? Well, yeah, I, d- I definitely stayed up, watched, watched the Yankees lose last night, which was fantastic. But somehow somehow I, I am not hip to the TMZ aspect of ESPN. Did you call? Did you text uh, Steve Kastenbaum and mock him when the Yankees got uh, got creamed? <laughs> I was tempted. Listen to that evil laugh. Like you didn't actually. That was just like a like a mini chortle you just did right there. <laughs> well, because you know the idea. It's Steve is so darn nice. You almost. I. I don't. I think. I think we could probably use that sort of edge to our relationship. But I. And I. I think he could handle it. He is a New Yorker after all. But... Uh, he's got. A, he's got a tough, leathery exterior. <laughs> um. Yeah, so ESPN analyst uh, uh, Steve Phillips. So it's all—it's just come out that he was having some. I was going to say torrid, but it's not even torrid. It's just sort of grubby. He was having this grubby—I don't know—stainy affair with uh, with this uh, this girl who worked for him. She was a production assistant or something. This girl named Brooke Hundley. I can't even really begin to describe the whole story. You really, at your first opportunity. You really must, and I know that as a CNN person, it would pain you to go to TMZ to gather news of any kind. I know that that would cause you uh, agita, but you really have to go to TMZ at some point and just read the story. I mean, in a nutshell, the the, the beats of the story essentially are this. Um, Steve Phillips, who is uh, you know massively wealthy and famous and a good-looking guy and successful and all that, was apparently uh, getting it on with some 22-year-old production assistant who is... Not perhaps a ravishing beauty in the traditional sense, but also, but then in addition to that, turned out to just to be full-on screaming crazy. I mean, like, I, I, I mean, like, over-the-rainbow toys in the attic crazy. Um, who? Excellent. Why am I laughing at that? Uh, because it's a hilarious story, and you'll understand why when you go and you see all of her photos and you read the various documents that they got from her. Because for, like, on day one of this story... She uh, she showed up at the house, at the wife's house, or the, the house where the wife lives with, with Steve Phillips. Showed up, went nuts, was like smashing up a bunch of stuff, delivered this long, crazy letter to the wife, uh, which included the phrase, I am not just some slut who has sex with him in parking lots. The next day, she files a restraining order against him because he dumped her, and so her revenge was a restraining order in which she detailed, quote, having sex with him in parking lots. I mean, it's just, uh, and then described a bunch of unpleasant birthmarks, and plus there's photographs of her, like, posing between a, a stormtrooper and Darth Vader. It's, it's just, I, what? I'm not even doing justice to it. I really, believe me, and Sarah's been hearing this story for the last day or so. Sarah, They will it, not stop talking about it, Lisa. Okay, but is there more to this story than I could ever possibly explain in this in this segment? 
it's getting more and more ridiculous. Uh, so uh, she looks slightly um, and she challenged as well. She looks, this photograph they're running of her, she looks as though she is one of God's most special children. Um, in just, you know, in sort of the squinty mouth slightly open kind of way. Oh, I wish we had more crazy, um, you know, affairs like that. I mean, we, we get some, you know, we get some, what the heck were you thinking on the lawmakers part, but we don't get the crazy aspect on the, uh, you know, the person on the other end. Of the Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Do you remember how Monica Lewinsky yeah. seemed kind of crazy? And she seemed, you got the sense that Monica Lewinsky was unstable and you know, might tip over like a bad vase. High school girl kind of way, though. But that's a, but a high school girl who, but in a, you know, in a high school girl who finally thought she found a guy who cared and then discovered he was just like all the other men kind of way. <laughs> that's the, right. That's true. So this girl, Brooke Hundley, she is on the outside what I think we all knew Monica Lewinsky was on the inside. Let's put it that way. Oh, wow. So yeah. you're, uh, you know, when you, you find yourself with a few moments of downtime and you, uh, you know, do you want to, want to amuse yourself? You ought to just, uh, you know, just give it a good read through. <laughs> There's no one to root for in this story, by the way. He's certainly not a victim. She's certainly not a victim. They're both crazy and unlikable. So it's kind of the perfect story. There's nobody to root for. Lots of people to root against. Wow. And we all feel better about ourselves. Yes, we do, Lisa. All right. Moving on to the feeling better uh, portion of our uh, of our day. Right. So, I, well, there's two different things. First of all, there's healthcare, and when they say public option, that's code for the government paying, right? No, it sort it only partially. That the public option is code for the government having a health insurance plan that you can choose from all the other health insurance plans. It's not the, when the code for government paying is single payer. Oh, okay, that's right. Okay, now I understand. You've got all these crazy terms, and it, yeah, and it just makes things more confusing. But you would think that public option means that because of the way it's gotten thrown around slash kicked around, it, it has kind of become um, for people on the right. You know, really the, I don't know, I, I guess the, the instrument um, of uh, all of their concern. But it really is not, uh, and, and they say they think this public option, having one government insurance plan as an option, is opening the door to a government takeover of health care. Democrats say it's not, depending on the Democrat you talk to. But, yeah, they're very different places on the spectrum of health care. Well, these Republicans do such a, and I mean this as a compliment, they do such a good job of muddying the waters sometimes. To where I mean, and I'm kind of a nerd for this stuff on some level, but I I, I do realize that I've completely lost track of what's real, what's not, what certain yeah. terms mean, what is on the table, what isn't, uh, you know, and and, and exactly uh, you know I- exactly in what way my life will be impacted by by any of this stuff. It's all right. very confusing. And and the whole debate in America is so different than the debate, say, in Europe. If you run into every now and then, I'll run into some European tourists up here, and I'll ask them, "What do you think about our healthcare debate?" And they'll say. You're kidding me that you guys are spending all this time debating should the government offer an insurance plan as one option? They're like that. Are you kidding? You know, to them, because their health care systems, some of them are single payer where right. the government does have control over the health system. They just think, you know, it's not it's that's like nothing. You know, that's sort of like a drop of water to them. Of course, you should have the government have some kind of health care option. But. You know, I explained to them, hey, in America, we get, we've got a problem with government. We've already, always always had an issue with, uh, you know, oh, say the British telling us what to do. <laughs> For example. For example. Um, and, 
it's just, we're trying to, there's just so much stuff coming over the transom, as they say. I know the other story that we had yesterday that I want to believe, you know, like Fox Mulder, I want to believe this, but um, but uh, like Danny Scully, I, I inherently sort of distrust this. This story that a bunch of the companies where they got federal bailout money, that like the executives are going to get their, their salaries or something cut in half, like their absolute real take on dollars are going to be cut by like 50%. And I want that to be true, but I just, I can't believe that it really is. Okay, I will tell you the way in which that's not exactly true. It's mostly true. It's almost entirely true. But this is the deal. You're right. Their overall compensation is being cut about 50%, and their cash pay is being cut 90%. The rest of it, you know, that brings them up to, you know, the remaining half um, is going to be in stock. It's going to be long-term stock, which which makes a lot of sense that they can't cash in for two or three years. So the idea is you, you're going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars in stock that's no good for at least two or three years. You've got to make good decisions so that, oh, your company is worth something and the stock is worth something or else you're not getting it at all. Um, the cash portion of what these guys are getting is actually cut by more, by 90%. So what they're getting month to month, 90%. That all is true. The issue is that, or I don't know if it's an issue, but what what is not getting across necessarily is that these cuts are being put in place for November and December only. Ah, I see. But starting January, it starts over again. And, you know, the compensation chief in Washington will start looking at salaries with this new base. So everyone will start at this lower amount, but he will review them again. He, He may raise them. He may not. We know for sure what's going to happen the next two months. After that, it's not entirely clear. So it's only for November and December. This is like the other day when Tim found this so-called bionic hearing aid that Lee Majors of $6 million man fame sells. And it looked like it was sixteen ninety nine to purchase, but really, that's the first payment. And then it's followed by nine payments of ninety nine ninety nine. Oh, no kidding. Wow. All right. And by I the way, we're... Like that. Yeah, we're but, but, I mean, their, their base salaries will be lowered, so it, it may be a permanent cut. We just don't know yet. And so they can't be like effectively like shorting their own stuff. Stock. I mean, for for lack of a better way to put it, too, right? That their their yeah. stock is sort of termed to, tied to the long term success of the company. All right. And then the other issue is if they stay at that company, you know, they could right. decide right now to bail, and and you know, we'll have to see if there is a mass flight from these companies or if other companies are like, hey, you're damaged goods, forget about it. You know, I I get it, buddy. You you you've got a problem. You know? You're just I don't know. You're just some crazy guy that has sex in parking lots. Parking lots, exactly. All right, there you go. That's Brett's like that's a callback there, bringing it back around. Awesome. All right, big plans for your weekend, Lisa Desjardins? Um, I did have, but, you know, now now everything's a little bit more in the up, in, up in the air, so we'll see. All right. Well, we will uh, speak in the immediate future. Have a fantastic day. Always a pleasure. You too. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentle folk. All right. On the way, we have uh, Tim Riley at the news desk coming up at the top of the hour. Aaron Duran with the Week in Geek. Uh, 8 o'clock, we'll talk to Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. And at uh, 8.20, David Javerbaum, head writer for The Daily Show Plus. Another installment of Rick Emerson Theater. We will be reading and reenacting uh, both of the letters from the crazy and ever so slightly portly Brooke Hundley. Today, the Rick Emerson Show continues. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in ADHD. Let's just remember to scream until Daddy stops. The Rick Emerson Show returns. You're broken. I know. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. 
503-228-4101. Coming up at the uh, top of the hour, Aaron Duran will be here with the Week in Geek. Also at the top of the hour, we will uh, we will read you the uh, first of these two Brooke Hundley letters. The first is the letter that she wrote to the wife. The second is the restraining order. Both of them hilarious in their own sort of screamingly nuts kind of way. Uh, at uh, 8 o'clock, we will talk to Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. And at 8.20, David Javerbaum, who is the head writer for The Daily Show. It's 503-228-4101. Also, at some point between now and the end of the show, some point between now and 9, your final shot at a pair of tickets to see the sold-out Pussifer show, which happens the 14th at the Roseland. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. From the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 646. Going to be partly cloudy today. Chance of showers highs near 60, about the same for the weekend. Two more have been arrested in connection with a gangland firebombing of a North Portland home. 18-year-old Bobby Cha and a juvenile have been charged with spraying a North Bank Street home with gunfire vandalizing a car, and threatening one of the resident's sons in an effort to recruit them to join an Asian gang. Seattle-based Alaska Airlines is boasting an $88 million third-quarter profit. They're among a small group of airlines posting an increase in earnings. Uh, then we have this other thing. Federal officials want to know whether the pilots of a Northwest Airlines flight were sleeping or arguing when they overshot the Minneapolis airport by 150 miles. The NTSB has launched an investigation after the crew of Flight 188 said they got into a heated discussion over airline policy and forgot to land the plane. They're particularly concerned about the 78 minutes of radio silence that left air traffic controllers frantic. What do you think? Jesus, that 150 miles isn't like... That's not like taking a left instead of a right and then having to circle back around again. That's a whole lot of like... That's there's unnerving. An, that's an hour and a half where nobody's talking to anybody and meanwhile there's just... In the cockpit. This is unacceptable. They should have been uh, uh, well into that 120-minute uh, uh, period. They, they should have been preparing to land at Minneapolis and yes. going through procedures, being in contact with air traffic control. I would think so. Hey, you know, I don't know if Mythbusters has ever done this. They ought to examine the, this business of whether or not like just some passenger could ever actually land a plane themselves. You know what I mean? I, I don't mean like a Ted Stryker guy who has military flying experience. I mean, just like if Sarah's on a plane and the, you know, the, 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 I don't know, the, the pilot's guts fall out or some, something and he's not able to land. Like, could Sarah sit in the cockpit and land the plane? Maybe I not well. But, I mean, you know, but, yes, yeah, not, not flawlessly, but maybe enough to get everybody on the ground safely. I wonder if that's a thing that could actually be done by people. That would be pretty cool to figure out. Yeah, there ought to be some uh, investigation to that. Here's Tim Riley. Well, probably uh, the best-known uh, woman to uh, fly an airplane was Amelia Earhart, and a biopic is coming up this weekend with Hilary Swank as the star. During that day and age, no one even thought of having a career. You know, women didn't even have the right to vote until 1921, and now young girls are actually saying, I want to be president someday. So uh, the quality that I most admire in Amelia was that, that drive to follow her heart, her dream, no matter what. That's a bad soundbite. I can't figure out if Hillary Swank is is uh, is cute or not. I most of the time it kind I of think, annoys me. Well, see, but, but but I do like her. Like, but she kind of irritates me. See, I don't really feel one way or the other about her personality. I just she sort of seems like a blank to me. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I, I mean, I, a few words come out of her mouth every now and then, but really nothing. Yeah, I can't ever get a sense. Like, I can't get a handle on what kind of like what kind of personality she has or what she, what she's like as a person. She was really good in PSI Love You. I'm just trying to figure out if she's hot or not. And I, I maybe hot is not the wrong. Hot is the wrong way to put it. Cuz you don't think of hot when you think of Hillary Swank, but she does but but the thing, you know, she, you know what she kind of looks like she's like um 
She's kind of like a like a more bucktooth version of Jennifer Garner. Because Jennifer Garner is one of those women that I that I can't quite tell if she's hot. Well, she needs some cosmetic dental work done first. Je- of all. Jennifer Garner or Hillary Swank? Hillary Swank. Oh no, those are yeah. That's no. She's got those are Elway. Those those are those are those are thorough good teeth she's got there. Um, but I but so I remember seeing her in the next Karate Kid. Uh, which I know sounds stupid, but there are these long sequences. The next Karate Kid, these sort of training montages, where I thought she was really, uh, I thought she was really hot, and then, and then you know, and then you just saw her in a plaid shirt talking with a corn pone accent, being raped by some guy from a broccoli factory, you know, or whatever. In Boys Don't Cry, and I remember thinking, well, this is difficult to find her attractive. And now I get, now I'm back to not not understanding. And so it is with Jennifer Garner. Like Jennifer Garner, I think Sarah and I were talking about this the other day. That she's kind of goofy looking. She is goofy looking. But, but, but okay, but, but there's something kind of cute about her. I don't know what it is. And I think what I figured out is that Jennifer Garner is hot not just on alias as Sydney, but she's only hot when she's playing, when she is Sydney on alias playing somebody else. In other words, whenever, whenever her alias character is in disguise or dressed up as someone else, that's when she's hot. So it's not, she has to go like two characters deep to become sexy. Otherwise, she's just, uh, I know Jennifer Garner's face look. It looks like everything has been compressed and slid around a little bit until she's not quite correctly put together. But that's just my assessment. Here's Tim Riley. Then there's MSNBC's Contessa Brewer anchoring a program, and she mistakes a Jesse Jackson for Al Sharpton. A statement in London yesterday during a discussion of morality in the marketplace. Well, tell that to the guys making ten bucks an hour. Joining me now to talk about this and the nation's real problem of joblessness, the Reverend Al Sharpton. What's your reaction to hearing someone say, you know, uh, when it comes and to... And it's Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson. All's well. The rising tide... Does he look happy? No. Oh, I'm Reverend Jesse Jackson. Oh! oh man. The script in front of me said Reverend Al Sharpton. I'm looking at your face. I know who you are, Reverend Jackson. We all do. I'm sorry. Oh. Let me say to you. Oh, wow. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, Jesus, God. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Let's play it again. The inequality as a way to achieve greater profit. Ten bucks an hour. Joining me now to talk about this and the nation's real problem of joblessness, the Reverend Al Sharpton. What's your reaction to hearing someone say, you know, uh, when it comes to income inequality, all's well. The rising tide floats all boats. Oh, I'm Reverend Jesse Jackson. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right. I don't, you know, I'm so sorry. The, the <gasps> Good God Almighty. I'm playing it, Tim. Oh, oh, my God. That's what you get when you hire these interns. As a way to achieve greater prosperity. Zoom, one more time here. 10 bucks an hour. Joining me now to talk about this and the nation's real problem of joblessness, the Reverend Al Sharpton. What's your reaction to hearing someone say, you know, uh, when it comes to income inequality, All's well. The rising tide floats all boats. Oh, I'm Reverend Jesse Jackson. Oh, Jesus. Right. I don't, you know, I'm so sorry. The, uh... Oh, all right. Now we can never play it again. Wow, that's one of the worst things. I'm so glad I can't see what, what his facial expression is. No, here. I never want to see it. Does he look? Is it? Is it? Is it more? Um, it looks like Rita Mortis has just said it. Irritated? It is looks he... like I've just been killed on national television. <laughs> wow. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Contessa Brewer, professional newscaster. It's 503-228-4101. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll uh, take a break. Well, then there's a cat who saved his owner in Boise from a burning bed. It could have been much worse if it wasn't for the pussy cat who lived there. 
There's a room where I happen to go to sleep, and I thought the electric blanket was warmer than usual, said Mr. Jones. I didn't think anything about it. The next thing I knew, Cookie, my calico cat, was meowing like crazy in the hallway. My initial reaction was to forget about Cookie. I just fed her. Uh, then Jackson realized there was smoke. He then threw uh, water on the bed, grabbed his walker, and hurried out of the room. More smoke started billowing, so I called 911. Now, they were just litters in his front yard. I, I'm so confused. What, where, where does the hero cat part come in? In the first sentence. The calico cat was meowing. That's Cookie. Is that all it takes now for a cat to be... Cat? No, but... The, 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 this is the top story no, in Boise. No, Okay, but let's, let's stop right now. First of all... This is from Creme News no, in, okay. in Boise. Okay, let me just... First of all, it doesn't take a lot for something to become the top news story in Boise. Really, in Boise, the top news story here is like, only three fingers lost in this season's harvest. Well, said Mr. Jones left his electric blanket up a little bit too high. So because the room is filling with smoke and fire and the cat doesn't want to die and starts meowing, it is Cookie, now a hero cat. cat is meowing like crazy. For trying to save its own life. The cat, this is how low the bar is set for cats. This is, I mean, we've had dogs dial 911. I don't walk think, on their hind I legs. don't think a cat would dial anything. No, it wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. This is, this is some crazy cat person trying to make a cat into a hero. Literally, we have had stories about dogs that have been trained to dial 911 if there are emergencies. We've had story. we had a story last year because I remember we had a whole follow about it. We had a story last year about a dog that can sense when its owner is about to have a seizure yes. and will preemptively call 911 by pressing a single, like a, a, a speed dial on the phone, even before the owner has a seizure. That's, so that's one thing. This is just a room filling with smoke and a cat, of course, trying to save itself, meows. And it's apparently a hero cat. I'm going to bleed, I'm going to disregard this story. I'm going to flush it out of the... We have uh, to tolerate thank the you. inequality yeah. at the... 10 bucks an hour. Joining me now to talk about this and the nation's real problem of joblessness, the Reverend Al Sharpton. What's your reaction to hearing someone say, you know, uh, when it comes to income inequality, all's well. The rising tide floats all boats. Oh, I'm Reverend Jesse Jackson. I'm going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this with Aaron Geek in the City Duram at the Week in Geek. And we will be reading the first of these uh, many crazy misses from Brooke Hundley. Or from Lord Hundley. Stay there. We return after this. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO. Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. In uh, a few moments, we'll uh, be joined by Aaron Duran. He'll give us a uh, preview of this week's Week in Geek. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on your Friday morning. The government is giving Portland $75 million in free money to expand streetcars. Now, we're going to speak with a woman who uh, took over a rental that the uh, Balloon Boy's parents vacated and the mess she had to clean up. And a Spokane high school has run out of band instruments. Really? Yes. Have they run out of trombones, Tim? We're it's just a tease. A we're going to find out later. Thinly veiled uh, mechanism by which we can revisit yesterday's uh, discussion of young Calvin. 
That is correct. All yes. Right. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. We uh, already did your double geek watch. We've got a snuff watch on the way uh, later on this morning. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll talk to Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. And at 8.20, uh, David Javerbaum, who is the head writer for The Daily Show and also the most accomplished and talented person ever to walk uh, the earth. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. What will we be uh, hearing on this week's Week in Geek? We will be hearing about dead bodies, booze, and a babe. Fantastic. All right, without further ado, uh, Sarah, am I playing this music better or are you? All right, have you got that? All right, so uh, you may have heard us uh, discussing the tri- trials. Greg is actually rubbing his hands together in glee. I'm so excited. Just actually rubbing his hands together. Um, so we've been talking about Steve Phillips, who is this uh, analyst for uh, ESPN. He's a former baseball GM. I mean, he's rich, powerful, famous, good-looking guy. Who, of course, has all rich, famous, powerful, good-looking guys, uh, you know, as they all eventually do. He's just thrown it away on some skis. But the thing is... I, I, I mean, she's just, she's just like, Not she's, a, she's almost a sphere of a girl. I mean, it's like a bowling ball with legs, essentially, is what she looks like here. She's like Unicron with hair. Really? That's, that's <laughs> kind of what we're talking about. So she's this girl named Brooke Hundley, and the, um, the deal with Brooke Hundley is that she not only looks crazy, she acts crazy. And a lot of times those girls who have the crazy look, you can just see that there's the crazy potential. It sort of lurks inside them, but it doesn't, they never really activate that. All launch codes uh, were set to go with this girl, clearly. I think the deal is the chain of events, if I understand it correctly, is they're getting it on. He, at some point, realizes she's flat out screaming nuts, dumps her, and his threat when he dumps her is, and if you do anything, I'll tell everybody you're a slut. And so her response is, well, okay, I'm just going to destroy everything you have in your life and everything you've ever worked for. By the way, I'm going to go visit your wife. So she goes to visit the wife with this long letter typed out explaining all the ins and outs, so to speak, of the relationship. The wife comes home and catches her. Brooke Hundley goes nuts, destroys a bunch of stuff at the house. And it turns out that the day, what, before that? Was it the previous day right after he dumped her that she filed a restraining order with the cops? Yes. I mean, it's just so hard to keep track of all of this. But we're going to start with this. This is the letter that she wrote to uh, Steve Phillips' wife, Marnie. Sarah, do we have the appropriate music for this? Thank you. Now, they are divorced now, is that correct, or separated? They are separated. Separated. I would imagine he's been asked to leave the home, yes? Yes. Uh, well, he's done this many, many times before, apparently. Well, that's the other thing, is the last time he got caught stooping somebody, it was a woman named Rosa. Who and was, did we look at her picture? Like Does one he of have the, a type? The, uh, I don't know. Do we know what his previous mistresses looked like? I haven't been able to find a picture yet, so if anybody can find one, please maybe yeah, he's a, Maybe he's a Chudley chaser. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> All right, so this is the letter that uh, that Brooke Hundley wrote to Marnie, who is Steve Phillips' wife. Hi, Marnie. My name is Brooke. I work with Steve, and he and I got into a pretty heated argument on Sunday about the fact that he has not been honest with you about our relationship. You see, I'm the woman he's been seeing for a while now. I'm not just some random girl he has sex with in parking lots. I'm actually a close friend who works with him on a frequent basis. I care about him a lot, and I've been asking him to come clean to you about everything. From when we first slept together in St. Louis in his hotel suite, where he assured me I wouldn't have to worry about getting pregnant since his vasectomy, to the fact that we have continued to talk, to see each other, and to schedule meetups, even since you found out. He's upset because I told him I was going to tell you everything, but it's important that you know this. 
We text all day when he's at work, and we talk via hotel phones on the road. The texts have always been mostly about the... Sounds like you're starting to get her voice. I've discovered her essence as a person, Tim. Found her interview. I found the key. <laughs> the texts have been mostly about the sexual side of our relationship, and I have some saved if you ever want to see them. Basically stuff like when we'll meet up next and what we'll want to do to each other physically and how we feel about each other. But it's more than that, Marnie. Some of the texts and most of the calls are more about our friendship. We talk about his life. Like when he went to see... And then she she uses the names of his kids, by the way. She actually mentions his sons by name. We talk about his life. Like when he went to see son number one pitch and how he did. The fact that that son is starting football this week with four-hour-long practices. And that son number two is going to be in eighth grade and get stuck with babysitting duty a lot. When you have family movie nights at home. And when he's taking sons number three and four to baseball games. And how close the boys are to only being a year apart. But he talks to me about serious stuff too, Marnie. In some ways, son three and four, he says, are the product of your reunion after his affair last year. <laughs> Your sons are a band-aid on a more serious problem, Marnie. <laughs> Ew. And now they're the one thing holding him in your marriage since they're not old enough to understand, especially considering you were able to talk to sons one and two about the affair. That you married him in Michigan right after college, and while he's glad you decided to stay at home, he enjoys being with me because I have more passion and more drive to really do something with my life, Marnie. And you're making him go back to mass and therapy, despite the fact that he doesn't believe it will save your marriage. But he doesn't want to lose his kids. I'm, I'm not telling you all this to hurt you in any way. <laughs> but simply to show you that I am a real person in his life and that I deeply care about his happiness. I was raised Catholic, you know. And while I know our faith dissuades divorce... It also respects it with regards to infidelity because people should have the opportunity, Marnie, to be with whomever makes them happy and can give them what they need. I'm coming out now because I'm sick of hiding and sneaking around behind your back. After I brought up our next planned intimate time together in L.A. and Steve told me maybe we should just talk and let it lay low for a while so you or whoever the woman that called won't find out about me, I realize he hasn't even begun to tell you the truth. I may only be 22, but I'm not stupid. And I hope you can understand we never wanted you to find out about us. <laughs> I want you to meet me, Marnie, and I will tell you everything else. Here is my cell number. Check the phone records. You can see I'm not lying. At the top of it off, Steve has a big birthmark on his crotch right above his penis and one above his left inner thigh, so you know I'm not being fake. <laughs> Whether he chooses to stay in a loveless marriage for his kids or move on up and be with someone who he says makes him feel better than he's ever felt, it's up to him. But, but don't feel bad. But at least everything's now out in the open. Sincerely, Brooke. All right, there you go. That is the, uh, that's the blow-by-blow from Brooke Hundley. Uh, his kids are soaking up the emotional blood. And will, will you be doing the talking... Book edition of this? <laughs> That's Brooke Hundley, the audio book. Amazon.com. Author's Preface, Part 5, <laughs> Curriculum Vitae. Uh, all right. Later on, we'll do the uh, we'll do the restraining order that she filed against him with the cops, which is uh, almost as good. I would encourage you, by the way, to uh, go to TMZ, your first opportunity, look at these uh, photos of this alleged woman. She is, I mean, even the photo of her with the stormtrooper and Darth Vader, which normally makes any woman hot, not enough. 
Perfume on a pig, as they used to say. It's 503-228-4101. We return Aaron Duran with The Week in Geek at 8 o'clock. Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. Stay right there. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. This uh, email says, just look at the picture. This is from a woman, by the way. Just looked at the pictures of that ESPN chick. Did you see the picture of her sporting bunny ears a la Playboy? And then the email just says, bleh. That is like the most disturbing picture. She says, uh, no thanks. She thinks she's a trashy <laughs> whore, but calling her that is too good, says this uh, email from a woman. So there are there girls who dress up like Playboy bunnies, and there are girls who do not. That's, uh, see, th- right, that's, I mean. There is a distinct separation. But here's the thing is, like, wouldn't you agree that most of the girls who dress up like Playboy bunnies are the girls who should not? They should not, yeah. That is, that is, uh, you know, a thing. It's like, um, you know, it's like, like one of those, like, uh, uh you know, there's like uh, those, those uh, not Victoria's Secret, but like the sort of more risque versions of that store where it's like... Oh, the Fredericks? Well, yeah, but yeah, oh, totally. Or like trashy lingerie. One of those, yeah. buy a garter to add some spice to And it's always just, you know, and it's always just some, some you know, some wildebeest. Anyway, it's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. In just a moment, The Week in Geek with Aaron Duran. Tim Riley's tracking these headlines on your Friday. Uh, Seattle-based Alaska Airlines is boasting an $88 million third quarter profit. We're going to talk about uh, blowing $75 million of money on expanding the streetcar system, but it's free money anyway. And uh, we're going to visit the former home of the Heenies Fantastic. in Los Angeles and see what they left behind. All that anyway, plus a, uh, plus a snuff watch. And then coming up at uh, 8 o'clock, Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. And at 8.20, David Javerbaum, who is the head writer for The Daily Show. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program. From geekinthecity.com, Mr. Aaron Duran. Hello, sir. Hola. How are you? I'm pretty good. Okay, so we should get this out of the way right now. Yes. The Left 4 Dead 2 trailer is out, and I'm only halfway through it. I was watching uh, I was watching it last night, and then I got distracted by a thing. I forget what it was. It was like a bright, shiny object. Shiny. And I, I, was, I was just I can't wait to watch the Left 4 Dead trailer. It's going to be awesome. I, oh, I think it was the microwave. And then I just I never came back and finished it. So I got, a, I got half of it watched. I haven't seen the last half, though, so it's, uh... And they claim it was leaked, but clearly it was released. No, no, it was not leaked. I mean, leaked is the, is the new released. Yeah. Uh, but no, it looks you can't awesome. Claim, you can't claim it. it's leaked when that when I trace back your uh, your email IP, it goes back to Valve. And, the, like, it's <laughs> absolutely finished, perfect, flawless studio yeah, it's quality. Gorgeous. So, yeah, it, boy, that game just looks... It looks awesome. looks unreal, yeah, so... Just get chainsaw. I was actually thinking about, uh, about Left 4 Dead 2... Uh, oh, you know what? I know exactly what it was. I was watching Left 4 Dead 2's trailer yesterday. This is the new uh, video game from Valve, Left 4 Dead, uh, to the sequel. I was watching it yesterday, and I actually had to stop to do... Uh, I had to pause it because I left to go to Fright Town. Because Sarah and Greg and I did a tour of Fright Town yesterday, like a Lights On. How awesome is that place? Oh, my God. It's messed up. It's terrifying. I mean, oh. I mean this in the best way possible. They're... They're, They're sick and wrong. Oh, I love them. They are broken inside. Even, like, in the bright light, I was freaked out. That's, I actually, um, uh, I was actually sending a, uh, was sending an email, and she's like, how's it going? I was like, hey, you know, even with the lights on, it is yeah. unbelievable. Because Susan's just like, should you get any photographs? And I said, well, they were giving us kind of a behind-the-scenes tour, so, you know, we didn't videotape it and show it how it, you know. Because you don't want to give anything away. Yeah, we don't give it away. But I said, yeah. well, you know, we got a few pictures and whatever. But even with the lights up, it, it it was so disturbing that I and don't get me wrong I like to be scared I really do um, <laughs> but th- that might be too much it, no uh, no never it too might much. be a little too extreme for me no no buddy. I I don't think I can handle it oh yeah no especially you're going. that haunted mansion 
Well, oh, about Els the time Hoff Manor, because uh, they have three in there. They've got Baron von Gulu, Elshoff Manor, and the Chop Shop. Yeah, about the time that Sarah walked through a room that was filled with body bags hanging from meat hooks, uh-uh. that's when I could see her mentally pulling the ripcord. Yep, that's when I was just like, I'm done. I'm not yeah. coming here. Yeah, yes, I, you are. It was the that, dolls to me. Oh, and the, oh, the, the clown, clown room. We shouldn't give everything away, but there's a room of there's a as Jonathan Colton would say, there's a room. There's a creepy doll. There's a room just full of <laughs> evil, creepy oh. dolls. That is one of the most disturbing things I have ever seen in my life. And keep in mind, I I am not easily disturbed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you ought to see my movie collection. I it takes yeah. a lot to really unnerve me. That doll room, and you I know were that fidgeting. I was watching you take a few steps. Back. It was freaky. It was. I mean, look, I am a grown. I am thirty six years of age. I it, it, there was a room full of dolls, and you know what? Is everybody out there going? Ah, the Emerson's a pussy. You know, wh- whatever, friend. You go, and you're going to understand exactly what I'm talking about. I don't care because no, you t- know what the guys behind Fright Town they have studied every single kind of phobia. They're going to get you with something. Well, and here's the thing: it's like, and, and, and Greg and I were talking about this yesterday. We've all been, we've all been. I know we're going way over time here, so we'll continue this in the next segment. But I, we've all been at a haunted house, you know, and you're in line with some douche, you know, mm-hmm. some dick. And he's like, yeah, it's totally fake. You can totally see the wire. You know, you can see the zipper running down that guy's back. And he's just being like an ass about it. This is the haunted house that is designed to make that guy whiz himself. Oh, That's yeah. what it is. I mean, and they, you will. Every, every like, frat dick who has ever stood in line or been next to you while you're walking through a haunted house and just wants to talk about how it's all fake and corny and cheesy... This is the thing that is designed to break his brain into tiny little frat boy pieces. And it should be noted also, that because I've done a lot of those hauntings before, when you see that guy... The, the people that do the hauntings, yeah. we are relentless on them. Because oh, yeah. you can see it in their eyes, they're terrified. I'm not afraid! Yeah, and yeah. they're clutching their girlfriend and shoving them in the room first. Like, oh, I'm going to get you. Oh, yeah. I, you did, Toby Hooper, who did uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and the Chop Shop obviously draws a lot of a lot of imagery from that in the best way. Toby Hooper, taught, he told this great story about going to see the original Psycho uh, in 63 or whenever it was that came out. And um, spoilers, lol. Uh, the, <laughs> when you see the original Psycho with Janet Lee. Janet Lee, who at that time was a huge movie star, was a massive star. Smoking hot. And yeah, and it was unheard of at that point, spoiler, to kill off a major star that early in the film. It just wasn't done. And nobody, nothing in the movie's marketing indicated that that was going to happen. Yeah. So audiences were sitting there like, oh, it's Janet Lee. Oh, that's great. I can't. Oh, my God, she's dead. <laughs> and then you're just like left with all these no names because Tony Perkins wasn't really known at that point. Yeah. And Toby Hooper tells the greatest story where he said he's watching Psycho, had no idea what was happening. Janet Lee's on the screen. Oh, hey, it's Janet Lee. Oh, my God, Janet Lee's dead. And he said, at that moment, he said he realized, wait a minute, the people who made this movie are untrustworthy. <laughs> because normally it's like you would go to see a horror film, you go to see a scary movie, and it's like the director is just sort of, like the director had takes you by the hand, and he's your pal, and he's sort of taking you through a roller coaster ride. But it's the one end- of those things that, like, you go to a horror movie in the 60s, Vincent Price is going to survive to the last five yeah. minutes. Yeah, and everything is sort of fun. And he said when he watched Psycho, he realized, wait a minute, they are not effing around here. I am in the hands of disreputable filmmakers who cannot <laughs> be trusted. And that's what happens when you watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You watch the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is still, in my opinion, the, the definitive American horror film. Hands down, bar none, the most horrifying American film ever made and not and, and has not lost one ounce of its punch uh, at all. But you watch that and you realize this film was made by bad people. Mm-hmm. This is not like fun. It's not kooky. It's not like these are people who are trying to harm me in and some I, deep way. I always love reminding people that only two cups of fake blood were used in that entire movie. Yeah, because it's not gory at no, all, nope. really. It's just uh, it's just wrong and vile. 
All right. Well, in any event, so you get a chance, you got to go see Fright Town. By the way, it is 7.29 a.m. This time check delivered to you by Cooney BMW's 29-minute fast and free service. Performance has an address. It is Cooney BMW. On the other side, we have uh, the rest of the Week in Geek with Aaron Duran. Tim Riley has the news for you. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Like this. This is Rock 101. You, sir, are not going to amount to much. (laughs) KUFO. Indeed, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. What else did you find out, Rick? You're obsessing. In addition to describing the, quote, giant birthmark on his crotch right above his penis, apparently Brooke Did Hundley... she write crotch? Yes. <laughs> wow. And right above his penis. Uh, well, at least she uh, a scientific term. On his, uh, on his inner thigh. She apparently repeatedly smashed her car into a stone column in front of the couple's home. <laughs> I love Brooke Hundley. I've come around within the space of like 20 minutes. Now she's my new best friend. Rem- remember, man, you, you sleep with crazy. You don't uh, fall asleep next to crazy. What do you mean I sleep with crazy? <laughs> oh, you mean in general. Yeah. yeah, that's advice. That's advice, yes. What did you say? You I've sleep- never seen your crotch, so don't worry. What did you say? You sleep with crazy, you don't fall asleep next to crazy? That's right. Yeah. That's a good saying. Yeah. As Trent Reznor says... It's kept me uh, alive for all these years. You know, part of true love is knowing you could be knifed at any moment mm. while, you, uh, while you slumber. If I don't want to wear your skin as a jacket, then I don't love you. Oh. That's one one step too far. That's one brush stroke too many there. Uh, in just a moment, we'll have more news from Tim Riley, Aaron Duran, the Weekend Geek. What is uh, going on in all of uh, nerdality this weekend? What is going on nerdality this weekend in Portland is uh, first off tomorrow from three thirty p.m. to five thirty p.m. is the official Portland Zombie Walk. Ooh. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I, I wasn't zombie. Of... Hold on, you bastard. Hold on a second. I uh, let's see. Wait, wait, no, no, no. I've got the zombie bed. I wasn't aware that there was going to be a need. Zombie walk. (laughs) That was all. No, it's a... a, Really? No. no, It took us 15 seconds to find that, you dick. Hold on. It's a... There we go. All right. Saturday, October 24th, 3.30 to 5.30. The official Portland zombie walk. Uh, It's a suggested $5 donation because all the funds go to the Oregon Food Bank. You will meet at the Southwest Park Blocks between Madison and Jefferson. So that happens tomorrow, 3.30 to 5.30. And then uh, all weekend... Attention, Sarah Dillon, is the 5th Annual Distillers Festival at the Bossa Nova Lounge. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Starts at 11 a.m. It's $10 a day or $16 for the whole weekend. That gets you three or six little tasters so you can try all the different spirits that are done in Portland. And they're going to have a mixology contest. And if you buy tickets, you get to enter the contest with the grand prize being $1,000. Wow. And that then, is impressive. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then finally, on Sunday, October 25th, from noon to 6 p.m. at Excalibur Comics, we will be celebrating the fourth annual Wonder Woman Day. Portland is the only city in the country where the mayor officially declared October 25th as Wonder Woman Day. It's hard to believe That's that our awesome. <laughs> hard to believe that our mayor would declare it Wonder Woman Day. It's actually it's very very cool. They have. <laughs> I'm I'm stunned that this is the only city where the mayor de- dedicated it Wonder Woman Day. Super. Yeah. Um, but it is actually a really really fun time. They have dozens and dozens of original artwork there for auction, uh, done by comic book professionals. Uh, a lot of people who write and draw the Wonder Woman comic will be there signing comics, and the great. thing is all the fun, there's no cost to attend but all the funds raised by donations and by auction sales goes to the Raphael House the Bradley 
uh, Bradley Morehouse and Portland Women's Crisis Line. Excellent. So all the funds go to Portland. And where's the Wonder Woman Festival? It's at Excalibur Comics, which is, I believe, like twenty third in Hawthorne. <gasps> oh, yeah, it's I on, see it with the. It, it has like the sword. It's right by the yeah. It's, yeah. it's on Hawthorne. It's like before you get to the funeral home. Okay, right, next you know. to the bright pink vintage. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes, right. Next everything to the, is located next to the funeral home in my world. But yeah, yeah it's right before you get. It's exactly where it is. So it's right by that. Okay. And it really is a cool event. Uh, people come in costume, men, women, and the best thing is seeing like little kids dressed up as Wonder Woman and posing and. It's pretty awesome. And we should know real quickly, we were just talking about this, that uh, the Left 4 Dead 2 trailer is uh, out right now, and the game is released November, what, 17th? I believe November 17th. Here's the awesome thing about that. Honey, you know, I love you, but my wife goes out of town that day. By sheer coincidence, that is the day that my wife leaves town for a week. Oh. Uh, So my wife leaves town. It's almost like she planned it the day that Left 4 Dead 2 comes out. (laughs) Do you want to plan a Left 4 Dead Xbox Live party? It'd be awesome. You guys have to have a party. I want to come, have a I land come party. And watch you guys play yes. video games. We're going to plan a local area network and determine who is better at the first person shooting. We're we'll do some team speak and make sure that we can band together. We're going to stop this right now. All right. We're both Hold married, up, by need, the way. Hold up. I need to heal you. We, we both, we're, we're married. We're we both married. suckered women into, into marrying us. That may or may not still be effective when I get home. It's 503-228-4101. Aaron Duran, geekinthecity.com is the yes. website. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. From the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 747. It's going to be cloudy with showers today. Highs near 60. Same for the rest of the weekend. All aboard for the new $75 million streetcar expansion. The federal government has given Portland free money for this new toy. The line will expand the addition line, uh, which is uh, east of the Willamette River. Wait, and the streetcars are going to be built in Clackamas, keeping Clackamanians busy. Really? Can we just have a streetcar in Clackamas that maybe goes in a circle and a don't tell them? A streetcar named Clackamas. Where's this going? No, you'll get there eventually. Just get on. And then just have it just kind of go endlessly so they can, you know, just to keep them occupied so they leave the rest of us alone. Uh, that street, first of all, does anybody use that weird wooden trolley car thing downtown still? Or is that, that looks has that gone away? That looks uncomfortable. I wouldn't get it. It's on. uncomfortable and it smells, incidentally. I don't know if anybody actually uses that the thing. The trolley? Yeah, the, you know, the wooden, the, the, like that. San Francisco style trolley, but less interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's just sort of there, but I don't think anybody actually uses it. Here's Tim Riley. Balloon Boy stories. Woo! Here's the latest heinous Heaney story. This woman rented the Los Angeles office that the Heaney's had lived in for quite some time with their children. It was so sad to see them living in here because it stunk. When they moved, it took the building literally weeks and months to clean up from the cockroaches, the stench, to dirty diapers. There were sleeping bags, blow-up mattresses. There was a couch here. This room literally was up to here with just trash and garbage. Like, you couldn't even walk in. It was a sea of trash. And just like I said, like, dirty diapers, cockroaches. There's no bathtub. There's no shower. There's a toilet, and there's a sink. And they were basically living in squalor with three young boys. I'm so confused about this. This is an well, office it, it, building? Yeah, they lived in an office. Oh, I see, because maybe this and, is a... And she made a say. Uh, statement with lots of edits. They couldn't, uh, so they couldn't afford an office and a home, so they picked an office because that is where his flourishing career was going to begin to thrive. Right. All right. Surviving the sweat lodge, Beverly Bunn appeared this morning on the Today Show to recount her ordeal where others died. I was just, ha- I was having difficulty breathing. Um, I couldn't keep up with the chants, and um, there were several people leaving at that time or trying to leave. Um, it, it was very, very uncomfortable at that time for me. Yeah, suck it, Whitey. That's what happens. The uh, who, who volunteers to go sit in a small room underground where it's 195 degrees? 
packed in there like cattle with other people. Who are, and you know, I will guarantee you this. I will guarantee you that probably five or six or seven, eight, nine, ten, tens a month, that woman uses the phrase, well, I'm not religious, but I am really spiritual. Just banking that out, just, just putting that out there. Then officials in Taiwan are investigating a private training center. They received testimony and video showing that children were forced to swallow fire and step on broken glass to build up their courage. What do you mean children were forced to swallow fire? That's what they say. Apparently, it's in the video. These kids are swallowing fire. I don't think you can do that. And a child was forced <laughs> to split wood with his bare hands and wanted to die. What? What do we talk? What, what's going on? What story is this that we're reading? I think I've I think I've missed part of this this news tale. The headline is "Probe after students eat fire and step on glass." This is from Taiwan. Okay, but I mean, wh where students? Where Taiwan? Okay, but at a superhero school, students at what? This I, is a private training center. It teaches, for ninjas? No, it teaches children to build up their courage by swallowing fire. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you can do that. Well, apparently some of them must have survived. They're running around out there. I, <laughs> but they're hard to interview. It's you have to swallow fire. Yeah. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. This just in. Booked for Monday. Jenna Elfman. Awesome. Jenna Elfman interviewed by us. I'm, I'm looking forward looking to looking Monday. Forward to On Monday. Monday at 820. Monday at 820. Good Tell job, all your Greg. friends to be Thanks. here. Tell everybody that you know to be listening Monday when you will hear us start, right here. Start Twittering now. In the studio. Tell us. Spread the word. Promote as you have never promoted before our Monday show uh, on which we will be interviewing Jenna Elfman. What number might they call at that point to ask their question? 503-228-4101. You should write that down. That is the number you should begin calling uh, uh, Monday when you hear us. That is the Rick Emerson Show hosted by myself, Rick Emerson, along with uh, Sarah Extill and Tim Riley and uh, Greg Nibbler interviewing Jenna Elfman right here on this station Monday. God, I've waited for that day forever. It's, you know, I can't believe the Jenna Elfman. I didn't my prayers think, have been answered. I didn't think it would ever happen. I didn't think this day would arrive that we would have Jenna Elfman booked for Monday. And oh, I'm boy, glad. happening. I, and I'm, you, you know, I am uh, very grateful that it came together because otherwise I was going to kill myself. But now I don't have to. Now I can live. It's 503-228-4101. We are back after this with Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. Also, uh, we'll be talking to David Javerbaum, head writer for The Daily Show, and more news from Tim Riley. Stay there. It's The Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Friday morning. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. KUFO, Portland. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. People can't wait to get on this program. Well, <laughs> we're going to have to... He's going to have to work around Jenna Elfman. Is that uh, Scott Cummings? Is this the the guy who was allegedly Michael Jackson's bodyguard? Yes, it is. He's on hold right now. Does he know he was supposed to be on yesterday? Uh, I, I explained that, but I'm not sure if he really understood that. <laughs> The notion of timelines is a little tricky. Book him for Monday. Monday's going to be the best show ever. It's five oh three. I would say probably seven o'clock. That would be my estimation. So I, you, seven for this interview Monday. We already have a big interview. We already Monday. have Jenna Elfman. Well, that's at eight o'clock though. No, it, it, we're professionals, Sarah, and it's what we do. It is. Uh, we give one hundred and ten percent. Nobody wants to eat at an empty restaurant. We play the game. We know we can play. We do the work. We know we can do. 
At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 8.04. Kind of a wet commute today. It's going to remain that way. Highs near 60. About the same for the entire weekend. It's time to make Vancouver beautiful. 10,000 trees and shrubs are being planted along Burnt Bridge Creek tomorrow. They have, hope uh, they have 500 people show up to plant these trees. Begins at 9 o'clock. Last year, the group planted 5,000 trees. And this Where? is all to make Vancouver beautiful? I guess so. But I guess 5,000 wasn't enough last year. Well, that really is just a... That's a drop in the aesthetic bucket is what that is. That's a, that is a roll in the rock uphill. Um, Mount Vernon, Washington residents are angry with the recent ceremony honoring Glenn Beck. Apparently, it cost $17,750 in police overtime. The mayor says he has no regrets. Time for a snuff watch. Here's your snuff watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Sorry to interrupt. Before we do the snuff watch, don't tell me we have another guest for Monday. No, no, Greg. Well, we might. Greg is actually Greg just up in the screen right now. He's pitching all of his stuff to me. Was this Scott Cummings, the Michael Jackson bodyguard guy? Yes, I was explaining again how he was supposed to be on yesterday at eight a.m. He's like, "Well, my agent says right here, eight a.m. Friday." I'm like, "Well, did you explain no. that yesterday is Thursday and the names? You know, the days of the week have different names, so you can tell them apart." <laughs> yes, I tried to explain that, and also that his agent uh, was upset with him yesterday about this. Um, and then, uh, then he launched straight into, "Well, you know, this weekend I'm going to be in Nashville because we're going to break the Guinness Book of World Records for a thriller contest, and I got my book coming out, and it's going to be." Great. I'm uh, like, "Dude, why are you pitching me? Have I told you like, about I my mega carb powder bulk up formula that I sell?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's One customer at a time, I suppose. It's fantastic. Well, everything is retail, Greg. All right, here's Tim Riley with your snuff watch. Super Sales, a rubber-faced comedian who's anything for a chuckled career, was built on 20,000 pies to the face and 5,000 live TV appearances. For a half a century, has died. He was 83. Uh, at the peak of his fame in the 1950s and 60s, he was one of the best-known faces in America. He started his career in Cincinnati, then moved to Detroit, then to L.A., his pie-throwing stick became his uh, trademark. Why he hit Frank Sinatra in the face with a pie? And, and, and somebody actually sent me, because we interviewed Alice Cooper on Monday, somebody sent me a clip of uh, Soupy Sales hitting Alice Cooper with a pie. But, that, I mean, which said, is the sort of thing that now seems like such a cliche, right? I mean, it just seems like such a hokey comedian thing to be hit in the face with a pie. But, I mean, all of the stuff, everything that is now a cliche was at some point, uh, you know, knew it was a guy. Look, look, there was a first guy to have a rubber chicken at some point. There was a first guy to uh, throw a pie, and that man's name was Soupy Sales. And now he's throwing pies at God. That's right. He's throwing pies. <laughs> can't top that, Rick. No, I opened my mouth and I realized I was about to make exactly the same joke, but I wouldn't have done it nearly as well. I was about to do what they call an echo lead there, except it was an echo joke. We I can try it again Monday. We'll do it again. I will say this, that the thing that Soupy Sales became notorious for, and this is not an urban legend, this is a thing that actually happened. I think the story's gotten inflated over the years. But when he was uh, on television, Soupy Sales ended his show one time. By instructing, because he had, you know, he was... Oh, his, his tiny listeners to empty their uh, mother's purse and mail him the green pieces of money. He said, I want you to go into... He said, I want you to go into mommy's purse or daddy's wallet. And he said, I want you to find all of those little green pieces of paper and send them to this address. And he gave the address of the TV station. And he got, you know, I don't know, depending on the version of the story, a few hundred or a few thousand dollars. And... You always heard that he got fired and banned and blackballed for that, but that wouldn't. I, mean, I think he just got he got suspended for a week or something. But I mean, that is sort of a uh, 
That is a notorious uh, a stunt that he pulled, which was then parodied on SNL some years later. SNL did a little bit of a backhanded tribute to Soupy Sales when instead of asking people to send in their little green pieces of paper, the cast of SNL one night just asked the listeners to send in their joints. And I guess for the next few weeks, the, the mail was just like pounds and pounds of weed would arrive every single day. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Soupy Sales, dead at 83. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ, Mr. Marco Gonzalez. Good morning, sir. How are you on this hey, Friday? Hey, what's happening? Things are good. Uh, not a whole lot, except I'm learning more and more every moment about my new best friend, Brooke Hundley. Uh, who, I, does anybody know if the other women that this Steve Phillips guy at ESPN was fooling around with in the past looked like Brooke Hundley? Does he have some sort of a type? Do we know this? <laughs> are you thinking like Letterman? Like that whole, you know, the plain Jane type of thing that he was after? <laughs> the plain Jane is, is, I mean, I will say this. David Letterman looks so, so much better by comparison already. I mean, that story looks unbelievably tame and dull compared to this thing going on with, uh, with Steve Phillips. What is the, uh, what is the latest? What do we know? Well, we do know that um, she had taken out a restraining order against him. We have that document on our website. That broke yesterday. And we're just kind of following to see, you know, what kind of pattern this girl had. But it's crazy how the wife is the one who initially, you know, saw this girl in the driveway, which is really weird, isn't it? I mean, this guy's a public figure. Doesn't he think that this would get out? Oh, and also, you would think that she wouldn't, like, know where he lives. I mean, that's, especially if he's a guy who's gotten into trouble with this before, because I guess he got sued by uh, for sexual harassment by some woman he was getting it on with. And I don't know, if you really insist on bonking some girl in the workplace, maybe uh, you might want to take some initial uh, <laughs> you know, testings of that water to make sure she's not full-on crazy. But then again, what do I know? Yeah, yeah. what do you know? Exactly. No, but seriously, it's really freaky that, uh, I mean, these public figures need to be more careful. I mean, they, there's, there's a trail, and somebody will always find it. <laughs> We've been so blinded by this whole uh, Steve Phillips story. It's sort of like the sun blocking at everything else, so I don't even know what else is, uh, is happening. What else is, uh, what else is going <laughs> out of the world of celebrity gossip, sir. Well, you know, it's crazy this morning, and, and you know, Lindsay Lohan, Audrina P Patridge, you know that whole arrest, we had the video of them going into the houses right. and all that. Well, the arrests have been made. Four girls were arrested, and these were girls that were suspected for a while who had been kind of befriending these celebrities, and they found out where they lived. Same kind of thing, you know, the, these people know where these people live, they know when they're not home, and uh, so four arrests have been made. We have a video that we just put up uh, recently of the girls being uh, taken to the Van Nuys jail and one of the girls was arrested in Vegas, if you can believe. So we're talking thousands of dollars in jewelry was stolen and clothes, and it's just it's just bizarre how people don't think that, you know, there's cameras out there. Does nobody have a gate anymore? I mean, I, all of these problems could have been avoided if somebody had just had a fence around their house. Well, that's the thing, you know, but Audrina's people have said that, you know, it's kind of because her show, her, um, her house, rather, is on the show, so people know where uh. she is. So that's the problem, and, and you know, they were saying, for her next, if she does another show, they will not have her show her house shown because that's an open invitation to cuckoos. You know what I mean? <laughs> an open invitation to cuckoos. Excellent. You can quote that me on that. Yeah. <laughs> excellent line to go out on, sir. Have a fantastic weekend, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Take care. You can go, Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. See him tonight at eleven thirty on Fox Twelve. I'm to cuckoos. That is uh, awesome. It's five oh three. You know the two things. One. The fence or a gate of some kind, and then also the driver. So anybody that you plan on becoming a celebrity, famous or whatever, get somebody to drive you around, 
and just get a gate that goes in front of your joint, and you're not going to have to worry about like 90% of these problems. It's 503-228-4101. Straight ahead, we will talk to David Javerbaum. He is the head writer for The Daily Show, and he's the author of the new book, uh, What to Expect When You Are Expected, the guide to the first three months as a fetus. It's 503-228-4101. If you're a caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, you're going to get a $20 gift certificate to Value Village. Hundreds of new and used costumes and accessories. Your Halloween superstore. You can get a complete Halloween costume for under $20. Go to valuevillage.com for Halloween tips and tricks. to be caller 10 now. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up at uh, 9 o'clock, Smells Like the 90s, with our good friend Buzz and uh, Court and Fatboy uh, this afternoon from 3 until 7 o'clock. Tim Riley tracking the following stories on your Friday morning. I'm sorry? We'll find out how people really feel about pumpkins and what to do with them. Remember Jody Sweden of Full House? Yes. Well, apparently... I'm sorry, that was a rhetorical question. I, I thought it was, was understood. The, like, the it was for anyone. Right? All right. Yes, but it turns out it was more like full nose. We'll talk about her memoir coming up in just a few minutes. And Hulu's days as a free website could be over. No. Uh, all right. Take a moment of sadness there. Okay. Our next guest is perhaps the greatest man who's ever lived. He's an American comedy writer, former executive producer of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. He has won 11 Emmy Awards, two Peabody Awards, and a Television Critics Association Award. He co-wrote the book America, A Citizen's Guide to Democracy in Action. He wrote for The Onion for three years, wrote for The Late Show with David Letterman for one year, and he has adapted John Waters' Cry Baby to a Broadway production with Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne. He is also a Jeopardy finalist and I believe may, in fact, walk on water. The author of the new book, What to Expect When You're Expected, A Fetus's Guide to the First Three Trimesters. It's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. The author of What to Expect When You're Expected, Mr. David Javerbaum. Have I missed anything here? Have you cured any previously thought to be incurable diseases? Uh, the only disease I've cured is my own uh, ennui. No, that's it. <laughs> Excellent. What does a fetus need to know about today's world of hustle and bustle? Well, you know, it's a difficult time, and, you know, fetuses are very nervous these days. That's why they spend all their time in that position. It's not because they can't move. It's just because they're just nervous. And the book was inspired because I have two kids, and when I went to the hospital both times, I would see this new generation of, uh, of Americans, Generation XXXY, I call them, and they're two, all of them were naked and, and screaming and incoherent, and they were all placed in isolation immediately. And it was clear to me that they were just not prepared for the challenges of uh, modern society. So my hope is that by having this book available to them to read in utero, they will emerge in a better place and uh, in a better position to, to, to confront the challenges of our society. What are some of the, uh, the less obvious issues that a, that a former zygote faces when it enters the world? Uh, well, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, in my opinion, I mean, if, if, if you can emerge from the in utero experience unscathed and okay, then you're going to be fine. I mean, frankly, everything, you know, after your emergence from the uterus is anticlimactic. I mean, that's the biggest achievement that you achieve in life, anyone achieves in life, is just getting out to begin with. It's we're, all kind of downhill from there. We're talking to David Javerbaum. The book is uh, What to Expect When You're Expected, A Fetus's Guide to the First Three Trimesters. A uh, fetus, it seems, uh, in my opinion, might be the, the embarrassed or otherwise uh, self-conscious about its mother's appearance. What can expect the moms do to, to hold up their end of things? 
there's a whole lot of concern about how much weight should a mother gain during pregnancy. And this is an issue where I think mothers worry way too much. I think any weight gain up to 11 or 12 pounds is completely fine. Uh, you know, as long as you, your mommy isn't, you know, because you weigh, a fetus weighs seven or eight pounds. So the mother should be gaining a total of, you know, seven or eight pounds plus maybe another pound or two. So if, you know, as long as she's getting less than 12 pounds, she's absolutely fine. Now, if she's getting more than 12 pounds, then she's a hideous freak and she needs to deal with that. There are uh, there are many routes, of course, to the to the same off ramp in terms of the the actual physical childbirth. But what about uh, childbirth classes? What what should the fetuses take on these be? Uh, childbirth classes uh, are very very useful because otherwise, you know, it's childbirth. It's not like childbirth is something that we've been doing naturally for three million years through a hundred billion iterations. No, it's very important that we have these. We need classes for childbirth, and we need classes for lactation. And for that matter, I would endorse classes for sweating, classes for urination, classes for all the things that we mistakenly think we can do naturally without any help from anybody else, simply because we have instinctive genes that have taught us how to do these things since time immemorial. Mothers, uh, new mothers especially, sometimes find any number of impediments or uh, they find any number of difficulties with engaging with their uh, with their their partner they find that the, the baby can come between them in the relationship uh is this uh, your experience too uh writing about fetuses that this is a uh, something they should fear from the fetus standpoint something they should embrace i mean you want to let it be known right away that you will be running the show uh from now on and <clears throat> that's what more, that's one of the great things about morning sickness from the fetal standpoint it's a i think of it as a, a throw opportunity it's a way of letting the mother know right away, hey, I'm going to have the ability from now until the age of at least 18 to make your insides flutter and make you throw up because I have, I'm the boss. And so, you know, anything you can do, and that's true of kicking as well, anything you can do to let, you know, your mother and then through, vicariously through her, your father know, hey, you know, I'm the boss from now on. And I, I the book goes through several ways that you have of, of letting them know. In fact, for the uh, section about uh, kicking, I actually have a little section written by an expert on that subject, and that's Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. He was kind enough to grace my book with such a few words about how to kick properly. The book, of course, is What to Expect When You're Expected, A Fetus's Guide to the First Three Trimesters. We're speaking with its author, Mr. David Javerbaum. Uh, the ambitious fetus might have any number of goals, including being, as we mentioned earlier, an Emmy Award-winning writer for The Daily Show and The Onion, among other works. So he could do worse than to follow uh, the examples of, of those who came before him. Um, just so he does have a sort of uh, curriculum vitae to sort of follow, how, how did the career in comedy begin for you, sir? Well, I, I went to... I went to Harvard, and I was—I always wanted to be a writer, and, and I've always been kind of—I've I've always wanted wanted to be funny. Put it that way. Uh, my my success rate has gotten better over the years, and uh, so I was—I was going to Harvard Lampoon, and then I sort of just kind of tempt tempt for a few years, and didn't have you know much going on in my life until a friend of mine who, who uh, was went to Wisconsin got involved with the Onion. And he invited me to write for The Onion as well. So I wrote for The Onion for a few years, and that got me a job. At, at that, just when The Onion was starting out and becoming very popular, and I had the idea for uh, the book Our Dumb Century. Um, I wrote a little bit of that book, but uh, I sort of conceived the idea of it. And then I went to Letterman for a year and left there. And then I went uh, to The Daily Show. I've been here for over 10 years now, and very happily so. I've always heard this story, and I don't know that it's true, that in Onion sort of pitch meetings, that the kind of dynamic was that people would throw out 
the headline in the meeting and that there was some requisite number of laughs that it had to get or that you know three people had to sort of had to laugh out loud at it for it to be considered and that's probably not true but was there some standard like that that you guys used uh, there, there was no standard like that, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's a general consensus. It's the same thing as, you know, at the Daily Show, we do rehearsals, and you can just tell from the reaction of the crew, uh, you know, and whether something feels funny or not. Uh, I would, when I was at The Onion, I, I would write, uh, I would pitch 100 headlines a week for a time there. And, uh, you know, it, that's hard. <laughs> it was hard to pitch 100 headlines. And again, your, your success rate is going to be like, you know, 5 to 10%. And now that I'm much better at writing comedy, that means that my, my success rate is 20%. Um, and that, you know, that's what it is. The trick is just recognizing which 20% is the good 20% and which 80% is the bad. Looking, looking back at the sort of uh, the, the flashpoint, was there, was there a moment growing up where you were exposed to, uh, you know, to a movie or to a comedian or to, to a performance where you, you kind of had the, you know, the, the, the road to Damascus moment of, aha, this, this is what I am meant to do. Was there someone in particular or a thing that, in, that inspired you? Well, I, m- most of those things would be things that I think a lot of people would say. And I love, like, you know, Caddyshack and Spinal Tap and Animal House. Um, the one thing that I was lucky enough to be exposed to was old National Lampoons from the 70s, early 70s. Just as an example, because it was very rare that you see that kind of just, liter- just prose writing uh, written at that level of, of intensity and, and just absolute fearlessness. And that's the best example of its kind that I've ever encountered anyway. And I got, got to see that just through some old magazines that we had at my house when I was, like, in middle school. And I think that was a major influence on me, too, just seeing that you could use humor uh, and, and words in that kind of really uh, biting, lapidary way. Uh, it was kind of an inspiration for me. Do you, do you agree that American comedy, uh, at least in the mainstream broad sense, sort of hit a, a low point. There was a little bit of a nadir that happened in the, in the late 80s. It sort of seems that way, that there was, a, there was this, this, this cacophony of, of mediocrity. Do you feel like we went through a bit of a tunnel comedically? I, I suppose we did. I, I feel like at any, at any given time, there's good stuff and bad stuff, and the vast majority of things are mediocre, and then some things are truly wonderful, some things are truly awful, and both of those categories are well worth watching. Um, you know, there's always a market for all kinds of things, especially in America. You know, it's it's a democracy, and that's really most manifest, I think, not politically, but just culturally. You know, you have the choice of, you know, really, really highbrow stuff, really, really lowbrow stuff. And you know, the really great all-time classic stuff like The Simpsons is stuff that uh, that mixes highbrow stuff and middlebrow stuff and lowbrow stuff and does them all brilliantly. And that's another goal that I always shoot for, that all of us here at the Delicious shoot for, is to have that, a, 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 a breadth of humor in addition to like a depth of humor. We're talking to Mr. David Jamberbaum. As we sort of uh, wrap this up, uh, something you just touched on when you mentioned working at The Daily Show and how you've been there for, you know, for so long that it gets to be a little bit of a, a rhythm with the dynamic. Is it difficult to... Is it difficult to to consciously forget the very real world political influence that that show is at least perceived to have when you sit down to write it to make it funny? We it's not, it's very easy to forget it. We barely remember it to begin with. I mean, you know, we we're we're pretty hermetic people. We're not uh, we're not big livers. Put it that way. I mean, we are comedy writers, and you know, the stereotype of comedy writers is more or less true. So we hear all the time. I mean, the main way I hear that we have this huge influence is when I do interviews like this one, and I'm asked a question, and I always, you know, that's great, you know, that 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 we do. But I can tell you that when we sit here trying to put together a show, all we're thinking about is trying to be funny, trying to have some heft, and trying to have what I would consider comedic integrity, which is just having, you know, the jokes feel earned. Um, but we're not 
trying to edify people, and we certainly don't believe that we are changing anything. I mean, maybe we're providing catharsis for people, but uh, political satire has been around since Aristophanes, and I think it almost never has succeeded in changing the actual politics thereof, because it's, it's a matter of changing human nature, and human nature is timeless. To whatever extent you can you can speak to this, was there was there any sort of hesitation, some, some trepidation about spinning off uh, Colbert uh, to, to his own show? Was there any sort of fear that this is going to be you know a little, a little too much of a good thing? I think there was some. I, I mean, I personally was not uh, heavily involved in in that, uh, but I I think there was some trepidation. I think there was some trepidation that it, it, it would be too much of a good thing and would we overdo it? And I think uh, the one thing that I mean, we knew Stephen was good, but I don't think even as good as we thought he was. I don't think we realized how good he really is. I mean, you know, that show is little more than him and his great writing staff. It's just him talking words. And nobody does that better than him, and nobody stays in character better than him. And again, just like with John, you know, his essential humanity bleeds through. And it's harder in Stephen's case because John is being himself on the air, but Stephen is pretending to be somebody else. So the fact that his underlying humanity bleeds through, even through this fake pretense, is a tribute to the kind of guy that he is. Mr. David Javerbaum, the book is What to Expect When You're Expected. A Fetus is Guide to the First Three Trimesters. You can get that at Amazon.com. And we should note a couple of things here. On Saturday, November 7th, 7 p.m., you're going to be uh, taking part in Live Wire Radio, which, of course, is the Aladdin Theater on Southeast Milwaukee. And uh, you can go to the Aladdin box office or you can get those tickets at Ticketmaster. And that is, if you, and I don't know if you've done that before, sir, but it is, it's an exceptional event. You're going to have a great time there. Sunday, November 8th, 3 p.m., you're going to be signing at uh, Powell's Downtown. Powell's Books right there on Burnside, a free event. And uh, not to be missed. As we wrap this up, I want to say um, uh, thank you for spending some time with us, and I wish you best of continued success in, in life, art, and all things, my friend. Thank you very much. I'm looking right. forward to coming to Portland. Right. Thank you. Mr. David Javerbaum, head writer for The Daily Show. It's 503-228-4101. And speaking of events, at this juncture, if you're caller 10, you're going to score yourself the final remaining pair of tickets to the Pussifer Show at the Roseland on the 14th of November. You get to see Manor James Keenan in a performance unlike any other cabaret comedy performance art, rock, etc. It is sold out. Second show added for the 16th of November, and you can get those tickets at TicketsWest.com. But if you are caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, you get the final remaining pair of tickets to see Pussifer at the Roseland for the sold-out show November 14th. We come back, final news break from Tim Riley. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. It's Friday morning. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. You may ask yourself, who brings me this miraculous radio program? The answer is fine folks like Viso. You can find out more about this wondrous beverage at drinkviso.com, D-R-I-N-K-V-I-S-O dot com. And uh, actually, you know, Alex, the guy who, uh, Mr. Viso, the guy who founded Viso, runs Viso, keeps that place uh, humming like a top. You can go to uh, drinkviso.com. You can send him an email. And I know that people have actually called him from time to time, and he just sort of answers the phone and says, hello, Viso Factory. He really is there all the time. And you may ask yourself, how does he have the energy to keep producing this wonderful drink? The answer is the drink itself. It comes in a lot of great flavors. Some of them got caffeine. Some of them don't. Some of them are local. Some of them are organically sweetened, but they are all made right here in Portland. And uh, we're big fans. I, myself, am uh, about a third of the way through a can of Viso Dynamo right now. It's got your vitamins, it's got minerals, it's got uh, your calcium, potassium, everything you need for a day. And they recently added even more fruit juice to it. So if you say to yourself, it tastes even fruitier than it did before, you are not deceiving yourself. They have recently added more fruit juice to it, but it's still made here in Portland. You can find it in the cold section of all Portland Fred Meyer locations. Also, Plaid Pantry, 7-Eleven, Whole Foods, etc. D-R-I-N-K-V-I-S-O dot com. Viso, now even more of everything good. Share your thoughts with billions. My eyes are on fire.
fire with passion. 1-800-344-KUFO. Excitement. The Rick Emerson Show returns. A lack of sleep. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Till the river rose up I saw the bride in a wedding gown I was in the house when the house burned down I may be old and I may be bent But I had money till it all got spent the Rick Emerson radio program on Rock 101 KUFO. The sounds of Mr. Warren Zevon. We continue. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior. Kneel before him always. It's Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 850. It's going to be a rainy weekend. High temperatures around 60. We just found out two more ESPN executives are playing around. Senior Marketing Vice President Kate Lucy is in a hot and heavy romance with David Burson, the Vice President of Programming. Are you just reading like a gossip Twitter feed or something from CNN or from ESPN? Are they just sort of, I mean, is this like a stock ticker that comes out of that place? Well, By the way, Ted has underarm motor too. ESPN brass are not against work relationships because... Clearly. And, and I have the picture of her right here. I think we can make that inference ourselves. Their headquarters ourselves. is out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm looking at their headquarters. Wow. It's in Bristol, Connecticut. Tons of satellite dishes, lots of level emptied grass, and, in case you're wondering, 2,084 parking spaces. Well, all right, then. Well, those parking uh, okay. parking spaces, are uh, they're multi-use, as we found out. Jesus and uh, I was just looking at their corporate culture. It says, ESPN corporate culture, we're aggressive thinkers. We're risk takers. <laughs> <laughs> passionate driven people we believe in working hard and testing ourselves and thinking outside the area of job descriptions seriously <laughs> different, op- <laughs> different opinions lead to people questioning the status quo which leads to better ideas oh, wow pulling together isn't just a catchphrase <laughs> ultimately the camaraderie exists you'd expect to find in a great sports team <laughs> Jesus, God Almighty. If you want to be an intern there, students may qualify for subsidized housing in Bristol. Yeah, apparently you can, of, uh, uh, you can work of, for your room and board, too, I'm, I'm feeling. There are lots of job openings, but we'll save them for Monday. Oh, so know. let's pick a time Monday. Monday's going to be a, a big open? show, Tim. What with Jenna Elfman and the Michael Jackson's bodyguard and also the Siegfried, uh, Siegfried talking about Grindhouse. It, uh, it really is a day that is already dangerously overfull. I'm, tell- I'm warning you right now, just before we even head into the weekend, I'm warning you, we may not get to everything that's scheduled Monday. Just, I'm Listen warning you right you. now. There's, if there's so much already planned for Monday. We may not get to all of it. I, I don't want anybody to be shocked if that were to be the case. Who remembers Jody Sweeten, Sweeten from Full House? Yeah. Well, she's found ways to make money again, hosting a pantless dancing competition while addicted to meth didn't work out. <laughs> so she's, it's hard to believe that that wouldn't end in success. She's written a tell-all new book called Unsweetened, and I'm going to read a passage for you. <gasps> she was holding Tanner? a pantless, pantless dance, dance competition while engaging in meth use. That is true, yes. 
Was that the only thing left of the unemployment office or something? Well, we've this got this. This is from her, you... her Coke Fuel Sobriety Tour. Do you awesome. want some music, Tim? Yes, please. Well done. When I got to my hotel near Marquette University, I slept a few hours, but when I woke up, I was still dead tired. A mess. Luckily, I found the Coke to pick me back up. I did a few key bumps and headed to the lecture hall, where a sold-out crowd waited to hear me speak. I thought for sure that one of the professors would take one look at me and kick me out. He did not. They wanted to hear about the trials and tribulations of Jody Sweden. Or at least the Jody I created appearing in Good Morning America, talking to People magazine. I stood at the podium, looked around the room, put on my best TV smile, but I knew I was living a complete lie. Unfortunately, guilt doesn't make you stop. I talked about growing up in television, how great my life was now. And then, I started to cry. Pick up unsweetened. Wow. The tales of meth, ecstasy, and plates of coke after sobriety from Jody Sweeten. Is that actually the subtitle? Well, no, that's the subtitle I made up. Okay, I was just curious as to whether we'd I actually think that just sell the book, though. skip to the bottom of the page and just <laughs> added a laundry list of chemicals into the uh, into the subtitle there. All right, it's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. We've got the buzz coming up at nine. with smells like the nineties. Court and Fat Boy coming up this afternoon with Mike Russell. We'll be talking about new movies and David Walker talking about uh, B movies. We want to thank CNM Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins for joining us today. Also, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity dot com, Marco Gonzalez from TMZ, and uh, we want to thank. Uh, Oh, is there somebody else that's not stalled? Oh, they Scott Cummings on Monday. I'm sorry. I just keep forgetting. It's uh, Monday, Monday. Well, more I'm, about ESPN. Uh, I think also it's sort Jenna of... Elfman, too, it's, on Monday. It's contagious because I'm I can't sure remember... more fails to, <laughs> fails to report by Monday. Freudian. They have 2,047 parking spaces there. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Greg Nibbler, a man who goes above and beyond the call of duty every single day. Uh, the gatekeeper Dave's in. Webmistress Bridget from upstairs. Alpha broadcasting marketing guru Susan Donaff with me Reynolds. And etc. Uh, etc. Et so on and so forth. My name is Rick Emerson. Thank you all for being out there. As Paul Stanley said many, many times and it continues to be true. Without you, there is no us. So we thank you for listening. It is Friday. October 23rd, and that is the frequency, Kenneth. Be safe. Watch out for snakes now. Thank you so much. KUFO, Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded.